Absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 beyond plausibility, but not that far beyond it. That's right. Yeah. All right, folks at home, we're gonna hit play. There's a beautiful lady holding a light. I think you know what's happening. So hit play if you want, or just kick back and listen and enjoy. Thanks for your ears, Vincent. Let's get into it, brother. All we right. Were, we were talking earlier. You brought over some wonderful uh, beer. Thank you kindly. We've got some other beer, and as I, I got whiskey, I got beer, I got wine. He's like, let's just start with beer, Jay. Don't get too crazy. That's right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a warm Monday up into night. it, man. It's a Monday night. <laughs> it's a Monday night. Uh, so, mentioned Jersey. You're from Jersey. I am. You know, uh, one of the things that I love about the East Coast, one, and it really is one of my favorite things, is the communities and the food. It's just, I wish there was something that the rest of the country would more readily adopt. I wonder for you. You know, you, what is your go-to meal, and who do you want at that table? Oh, that's hard, man. Wow. Okay. So, like, <laughs> can I go fantasy roll? Because that go, goes straight back to my mode. childhood, yeah, go, man. Go, go, you know, go. That's, that's right back. You know, that's mom making Thanksgiving dinner, where yeah. we would have the Italian dinner before the actual Thanksgiving dinner. So she'd be spending, you know, days doing stuffed shells and all this stuff, getting it all set up. People, guests would come by. They had no idea what they were in for. And so there'd be a big thing of meatballs and stuffed shells and, and sausage out there, and that was the appetizer. They'd have a full meal, and then out comes the turkey, and all these things. Um, so How yeah, was the and that kitchen? Was... But by the way, and I, and I think people need to realize this: you're talking about a day and a time when we didn't have the big, huge, fancy kitchens. Like you've got a beautiful kitchen at your home, right? It's yeah. got the island. It's got it's got you know. Yeah. Most places, 
pre-1980s didn't have the elaborate kitchens like that. So how did she cook all yeah. that stuff and get it all done? I mean, I guess, you know, the thing, the fun thing is when you're little, the kitchen seems big no matter how tiny it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, you know, we lived in suburban Jersey. It was, you mm -hmm. know, the house was built in, I think, 68. So it okay. wasn't too tiny. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, 2,800 square feet. Well, so it was fun. fine. Yeah, 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 you could fit it, you yeah. know. And but still, that's two full meals for how many people? Well, that was the fun thing. So as many people as you could fit, and sometimes the table would get stretched out with another table at the end. Yeah. So the full dining room table, which you've seen, and then another folding table at the end of it, maybe a car table for the kids. You just fit everybody. And I got 15 cousins, or one of 15 cousins. So when everyone's coming by, so, so it got again, into the dozens. So once again, the kitchen's not that big. I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. that's a lot of food for people. Oh, it was a lot of food. Oh, my God. You'd be in for, oh, it, was, it, was, it was stupid. There, was, there were no thin people in my family. No, and... This is, you know, Tupperware's was like, hey, if you, you know, maybe we do a, let's go hit her up real quick. Thanksgiving's yep. right around the corner. Got to send some food home with some Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was great. So, yes, of course, like, you know, and, and sadly, everybody's gone. My mom was the youngest of five sisters. Um, I'm the youngest of 15 cousins. And so, yeah, if I could pick a meal, it's going to be one of those because most of those people are now in Valhalla. Okay. And the reason I say Valhalla is because that's where the cemetery is up in Westchester, <laughs> Valhalla, New York. <laughs> <laughs> where my aunts and uncles are all buried. And it's always been nice to say, yeah, when we die, my family, we go to Valhalla. Go to Valhalla. There yeah. we go. Great. What, um, when you're a kid, mom and dad, who, uh, who was the disciplinarian who, who inspired you to, to do stuff? Or was there a balance? Oh, man. Uh, well, definitely a balance. Um, inspiring. Uh, well, they're both. I mean, absolutely both. Uh, and beautiful and sweet and kind and... Uh, it was recently uh, what would have been, oh, geez, no, it, was, it would have been my father's 101st birthday, um, not that long ago, so early in the summer, my, my brother and sisters and I, we always text each other on, on the anniversary of his death and the anniversary of, 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 of when he was born, and just talk about what a sweet and wonderful guy he was, and yeah. he died almost 20 years ago. Wow. Um, and we still commemorate him, so he was a wonderful gentleman who was the disciplinarian because the one thing you never wanted to do was rile him up. Mm -hmm. You could, if you really wanted to. You want to but poke only the if you truly failed at something. He was not, he just, he was sweet. Um, my mom. Real well, quick before you go to yeah. your mom, uh, I want to stay on this for just a second here. What, as a man now, with children, mm -hmm. right? What is, what is that testament of who your father was? What does that mean to you? And how does that shape you as a dad? Oh, it's just, a, it's always a goal. I mean, you know, I got a little bit of my mom's fire in me. Um, my dad had fire, but he was, uh, he was kind, he was thoughtful, he was beyond brilliant, one of the maybe five smartest people I've ever known. And we're talking Manhattan Project building. Wow. Um, he didn't go on to it because he's a Catholic, Italian, half, half Italian, half, half, half German, Catholic. They weren't putting him on that project. <laughs> but he made it to the final cut. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then they sent him to South Pacific and said, you're going nowhere near this thing. Um, but yeah, so he, he, but he came at it with that sort of intellectualization and, and but a love of art, a love of music, um, a love of, of all these things. So First well, generation well American. Hmm? Very well-rounded. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you could, you could hum a few bars from anything classical and he knew it. His first major in college was music. He wanted to be a conductor. Wow. Yeah. And ended up going to physics and then electrical engineering. So he took the easy route. That's fine. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, just, he read a book. You know, yeah. He just, just did a couple of things yep. here and there. Oh, my mic is falling. Oh, um, I mean, yep. 
fix it. So we've got that, and then you know, you said you've got a little bit of fire from your mom. Oh yeah, nothing that a woman who's an half Sicilian from oh, Brooklyn goodness. would do. You half know. Sicilian from Brooklyn, so there's Absolutely. the Italian. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so yep, yep. So I got oh, northern and southern. You, you keep talking. I'll get this. Yep. Cool. Right um, and, you know, she could wield the deadliest weapon known to man with such skill, and that's, of course, a wooden spoon. And there's nothing <laughs> that'll discipline you faster than a five-foot-tall Italian mom with a wooden spoon and a wet dish towel over her shoulder. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. No, thank you. Seriously. So, yeah, that was the mix, and they just were wonderful. My, uh, my grandfather, he was, my grandmother was Nicest woman, my great grandfather, nice man. No one would say a bad word about him. My grandfather was a disciplinarian, and because I was the first kid from a divorce from a divorced family, it was like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure he stay, took the line. And one of the things that he would do, he's like, oh, you gotta go pick out your your, uh, your tree branch to get spanked with. So you go pick, you know, first time yeah. I get the thinnest one I can find. Big mistake. People are like, isn't that a goose? Not in the seventies. <laughs> no, you got to pick your own tree branch. That's right. I mean, come on, you, you got to say in this. You would consent. <laughs> like, Can I get a saw? <laughs> right. Trying to go get now something that maybe he can't pick up. It's also an IQ. Exactly, it's an yeah. IQ test because if you get that thin, whippy one, you know exactly. it's going to hurt. You know it's yeah. going to hurt. Right. And yeah, and then when we got too wise to that, he started breaking wooden spoons. And he's just old Eastern Montana cowboy. Buck and bales. One time we're, we're hanging out. Uh, I'd been a little bit of a pill at the ranch. He goes, listen, we've got to feed these cows. We're going to go in there. And he was kind of being ornery to me. And he puts me up and he goes, just look forward. Don't touch anything. He puts the truck in drive. And then he kind of jumps out and jumps in the back and he's feeding it. And we hit a bump and he cursed at me. So I floored and bucked him off the back end of the truck. Oh, jeez, man. Oh. He landed in cow oh. shit and mud. Oh, well, here's well the there you go. Yeah. He gets up, and he's covered in it. He's got the pitchfork for the hay. He's running after the truck, screaming. You know, he gets close. I can see him. I get scared. I floor it. Spray cow shit and mud. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> this went on. That's legit fun. mad, man. I'm sorry. That one, you deserve the spanking after that one. <laughs> I mean, this went on for like a mile. You know, the cows are running because they want to get fed. He's like, I'm going to get trampled. And oh, like, my God. I'm not getting beat, bro. Like, you oh, yes, you are. Beat. You just don't know when. It's yeah. going to come. You have to sleep sometime. Right. <laughs> We're going to go back, and Grandma's not going to save you. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. Nope. No, this one's on you. You're going to have to try to survive. I'm going to have yeah. to try to survive. But it's, uh, I wonder, so mom, fiery, you know, Sicilian, you said you got a little bit of, of that in her, you know, a little bit of that yeah. in you. Is that, you know, so, some people, right, what's, what are some favorite memories? You know, you shared some, what were some favorite memories from your mom then? Oh, man. So, um, the thing with my mom is, yeah, she'll, she'll snap at you, she'll, she'll smack you with the spoon, you did the wrong, you know, what's, mm -hmm. what's wrong with you? Bang. Pull that mic just a little closer to you. I'm sorry. That's it. Um, never held a grudge. And that was, that was the thing. It's like, you just, uh, I mean, not against your kids, certainly. Yeah. Um, but that, and that's the mix. It's like, you address a problem, hit it. Done. Done. I love it. Done. It was none of this. There, 
I learned about passive aggressiveness years uh, years after I was married. I didn't know I didn't know those two words in that order. Um, uh, so confused. Half absolutely. The time. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, wait, what? And, and I, I remember, uh, you know, we would bring girls home and uh, who weren't Italian because um, I'm like that. And uh, and they were like, why is everybody shouting? I'm like, wait, somebody's mad. <laughs> what happened? What, what's going on? Okay, wait, no, so we could be hurt. I'm the quiet one in my family. I really am. Um, so yeah, no, that was so. So that was the thing. Was the mix of my mom and 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 this came up and not to get too sentimental, but at her Please. at her funeral, um, I was honored beyond belief that um, when she died, my brother and sisters asked me to do her eulogy, which was really amazing. Yeah. And. But you know, I'd share their thoughts and all that, and and we'd all talked about that. Mom was pure love, and so yeah, she smacked you because she loved you, and she didn't want you to screw up. But it was all about the love, and it was always that. So, you know, there, there was never a, what's my mom's motive here? Mm -hmm. She loved us, and so you know, any memory is equally good. Sitting on the couch watching TV, you knew you were with pure love. I love that. And I, both my parents, by the way. I, um, you know, I have three rules in my house. I'm adding a fourth. So it's always, you know, uh, listening manners, manners matter, you're not allowed to say the word. Mm -hmm. those, are, those have been the three. And I was talking to some guys, and <clears throat> you know, I'm a little more strict disciplinarian with my daughter. And she's a sweet, nice kid. Everyone's like, why are you? And I'm like, well, you know, just, I wanted to say that way. And I'd yeah. rather address communication and everything else at nine than at 16. Absolutely. Kids will always want to know where the envelope is, and the sooner you get them, so then they're comfortable. That's exactly. always been my belief. That's the way it was for me. I always knew. Oh, I didn't always, didn't always adhere to it. Yep. But I never had a doubt about what was wrong, what was right. It was because my parents were not just saying it. It was because you just, we, and they would always say it this way, we don't do that. Yeah. We don't lie. We don't steal. We don't do the, you know, whatever it is, all the normal stuff, nothing special. But it was a matter of, we're, we, have, we expect you to be a good person. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I got inspired after a conversation. I jump online, order a six-foot-long neon sign that says, choose love. Nice. And i like, there's our fourth rule. And the things that you say and that you do, is it rooted and is the choice love? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is it for you? Yeah. Right? I mean, yep. like, what are you doing it for? Why are you yeah. doing it? And that comes from discipline. That comes from conversation. That comes from sharing, all of those things. And I'm gonna put it right mm -hmm. above the thing, you know, just huge. Keep that thing plugged yeah. in. You wake up in the morning, you see it. You go to bed, you see it. It's on your mind. And be like, oh, that's cool, you did it for your daughter. I'm like, uh, I did it for me too. Yep. <laughs> you know? Abs absolutely. And, and it's amazing. Um, you know, I remember, it's funny you think of your childhood memories. I remember a big fight that my parents had. It was, and it wasn't any particular day, it would reoccur, you know. And it says so much about them. It's early in the morning. I'm like, supposed to be getting ready for school or whatever. My dad carpooled to work with a bunch of guys in the 70s. Yeah. And, it, you know, you had to share the ride and the gas prices. So, you know, the carpool's coming. And my father's Pete and my mother's Flo. And I hear my mother scream at my father, you're not wearing that shirt to work. That one's wrinkled. I don't want you going out of the house looking like that. <laughs> and he's going, I'm late. I got to go. It's fine, Flo. And they're both, they're yelling at each other. But my mom is mad because my dad shouldn't look bad 
and she wants him to look good, and she's taking pride in him, and he just wants to get to work, and he loved his job, and he doesn't want anybody to look bad. And it was like, that was as bad as it got, was you're not going to work in a wrinkly shirt because you should, you should look better. Because she had pride in her man. Absolutely. She took care of him. She had pure love. And same thing for any of us. We weren't going yeah. to school looking bad either. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I love those things. And I, it's, a, it's, it's unique and important in the fact that, one, when you carry it on, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I've thought about this. It's like, it's, it's a, I have the privilege to meet, meet your meet your family, your kids. And one of the things I always thought was like, man, this is a tight knit group. Like if this was 1982 and they all walked into a room with your voice and their stature and just how they carry themselves, I'm like either A, they're running a private security force (laughs) or B, they're wearing some fun attire. They're just going to go start the WWE and just crush everyone in their way because you feel the unity around you guys. I mean, you're, you're not a family. You're a you're a posse. It's cr- I mean, you know, and and the the fact that everybody r- looks you right in the eye, you know, talks directly to you. They don't look past you. They're not like, oh, you know, this is okay. My dad knows Jason. Hi, how are you? Where do I find my other brother? <laughs> you know, engaged, direct, honest. I mean, it's it's a testament, sir, to uh, to you to you and and your parents. It really is. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. But you know, your dad. I mean, your kids come with who they are. I got lucky three times yeah. in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Those are the kids that popped out. My job is to not screw it up. Yep. They've been themselves since in utero. You know, you just had a sense, and and uh, uh, their personalities have never changed. So I can't possibly take any credit for that. I got really lucky. I, I'm with you. I, I got, you know, I got lucky. Yeah. Like, you see me, you see my daughter. I remember I was, you know, I, I say this story a lot, so for everyone who listens, I apologize, but we were sitting down, and I was by myself in California, and um, I decided to take some enhancements of, of sorts, and uh, we took a little swim trip before Harper was born, and I'm going through this, and this whole conversation is, hey, you're going to have a kid. She didn't choose you. You have a very eccentric way of doing life. It's good, everything's fine, but Jay, you're just, you're, you're not a corporate, you're just not that guy. Mm-hmm. So be aware, and you might want to talk to her a little bit more than somebody else would. So I had this, you know, this churns up this idea of monthly meetings with my daughter. How am I doing as a dad? How are you doing? Like, if it's eating peace, sorry, uh, that's just, that's part of life. But I remember one time, this was a couple years ago, we're talking, and she goes, hey, you know, you're on the phone, COVID, you're working, mm-hmm. you raise your voice a lot. Like, it's just, you've got a big voice, and it scares me. Mm-hmm. Can you not do that? And I was like, oh, you know, okay. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't want to scare you. Jeez, man, I'm sorry. Two months later, we're walking down Congress, just kind of taking a little walk. She grabs my hand, kisses it. She goes, Dad, I haven't heard you raise your voice in two months. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. And I'm like, one, that's not me. Like, that's a whole different person. So you've completely hidden it. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, you know, I'm like, what do you So extra so insulation in a door? Or what yeah, you do? exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, the allergies are horrible in this. Exactly. Fucking awesome. Just the worst. Dry in my yeah. eyes. And she's, she, she'll look at me. She's like, it's okay to cry. I cry. You can cry, Dad. 
I do, trust me. When we leave my great, her great-grandmother, my grandmother, she stands up and waves. Right. She doesn't stand up and wave for anybody. If you're a little harper, she does. And we'll be leaving, and she's... We're both in the truck, driving back yeah. to Texas from Montana. A lot of dust in that truck. A lot of dust in that truck. A lot of allergens coming yeah. through somehow. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love it. You know, it's, uh, it, it's great what... And obviously, you've seen a lot more of it, but it's, it's amazing to watch that development. Yeah, I mean, it is the stuff that comes out, um, and I guess say, especially my, my, my middle guy, Max, mm-hmm. who's the tallest one now, um, 15 years old, 6'2", about, he lost weight, so he's down about 220, and he's lifting four days a week. Um, and he's, he's the, the sweetest, most empathetic guy, and he's always been, and I'll never forget, he's probably four years old. And uh, it was two things that happened around then. One was, and I was a little older. I mean, he was a little older, but still like five, six years old. I came up from work. He goes, how was your day, Dad? How are you feeling? I'm like, <laughs> how do you know that sentence? You know? And he still is. Like, he still, you know, he texts me, I love you, Dad. You know? Um, and, uh, and, and I remember a, a friend of ours uh, in the neighborhood. And he's, he was out by the bus stop or something like that. And she was just watching him play. And she said, he's such an empathetic kid. Don't ever let anybody take that away from him. And it's, you know, it's a real thing. I mean, thank God he's big and strong enough now that I think he can physically defend it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's so much that. You just, you try not to screw your kids up with your own stuff. It's the only thing I know about fatherhood. Right. No, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, all right. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine. He goes, dude, after your life, geez. I mean, I didn't want to because I thought, you know, at first my comment was, oh, man, I don't want to mess this kid up. And then I, and I remember a buddy looked at me and he goes, hey, if you teach that kid, remember, you know exactly what not to do. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a good point. Right, you know? right, 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 yeah. That's a, a, and it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, challenging endeavor that, yeah. you know, quite literally gets better every day. It, 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 it's, it's truly amazing. And now that, you know, my oldest boy is 19 years old, he and I are living together, and our relationship has changed. Um, and there's, there's, you know, it's really wonderful to see him, and by change, I mean matured. Like now we're having the grown-up father and son yeah. kind of thing. Um, and he's interested and, 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 you know, thoughtful about, you know, if I'm having, you know, he, he, he wants to be supportive. And, you know, it's like something bad will happen or whatever, and he's like trying to make jokes with me about it. Not because I'm, I'm complaining about it, but it's like, so I've been holding back on this thing. I just wanted to say this one thing. I don't know if it's making you feel better. I'm like, this is so cool that you care. Um, another thing that's been very wonderful is there's a lot of stuff when my kids were younger and before we went through a tough family time that we started to do and um, wanted to do, wanted to do more of, and then it all got interrupted. And he's really pushing the agenda a lot on we're going to do these things. It's rebuilding our workshop that we used to have in one house, we went to another house. We never got to rebuild it. Things got weird. And so we just spent the weekend rebuilding our workshop just because it's all these little incomplete things. Um, that's just, you know, it's great. I could see it's a healing thing for both of us to finally get to do stuff that got interrupted for a decade. Yeah. You know? Do you, you know, when, when you think about your great memories, the memories you're creating with your kids, you uh, know, uh, We've got this holiday season coming up, right? We're getting into the mix of it. 
Is it Thanksgiving? Is that is that your holiday season? Is that your jam? Well, it, we always had both. Um, okay. We had a lot of, of strong family traditions. Um, so now we get half of it, but uh, it'll be Thanksgiving this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to do our own Christmas a week after Christmas. Okay. Um, but now with living here and the kids coming here and it's their other home. Yeah. It's not where dad lives. They have their rooms. They have their place. Um, they've been coming to Texas their whole lives. So, you know, that, that, that really is their, their home. Um, yes. And so we've been talking about it all year that, you know, this Thanksgiving we get to do our Thanksgiving. Um, what's neat is, is the dining room set that I have was actually from my parents. Um, and it was the dining room set that we had growing up. So a, a, a bit of the furniture in the house yeah. is stuff that's still, so Thanksgiving is going to be on the Thanksgiving table. Again, that's the Thanksgiving table that I had when I was a kid and I was talking about that meal. That's, that's awesome. That, yeah. I, that's I mean, I love Thanksgiving. Uh, it's my jam because I got to cook Thanksgiving and Christmas. I like for the cooking aspects. Yeah. I used to have people over for Christmas, and it was, you know, 15, 20 people over. Yeah. Making Chinese food from scratch for everybody. I'm cooking two days prior. And you know, my ex-wife's like, what do you, do we, and it would just stress her out, just me doing it. She's like, why? And Thanksgiving, that's three days. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And then if there's a, usually there's a couple of homeless shelters and places here in Austin, and they'll mm-hmm. reach out to me and go, hey, we've got six extra turkeys. We don't have the space. Whatever for we need to cook. Right, you mentioned that. Yeah, so, and so then yeah. I cook it up, and I'm like, you know, hey, let's have some fun. Like, I got these guys would like a three pair molasses drip. Da, 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 da. Let's do a butter one. You know, it's just all this because it's fun, and they get a little special treat, and I get to cook. You yep. know, so I get to show off a little bit. My ego gets stroked. I'm like, oh man, this is so much fun. I get to get in, involve Harper with it. She gets to come. I'm like, this is what it's about. It's yeah. about food and connection and that idea of you know that that coming to the table right mm-hmm. for religious folks it's the i'll see you at the table it's never goodbye if someone passes away i'll see you at the table right we'll be at the big table and we'll have our meal together mm-hmm. all of us and everybody's the doing their thing and you all know each other and you know yeah. each other's like you know and there's that certain level of like oh will you stop chewing so loudly you know i mean the, yeah <laughs> You know, and you know, years later, you won't remember those those comments, but you remember that togetherness, that you know, those those moments um, of you know when things just really come together and and create a lifetime memory. It's not all seven hours; it's five minutes yeah. of perfection within that seven hours. But that's the part you're always going to hang on to. That's right. And you laugh about the next time. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you brought up earlier, and people get excited, forget things. Brought up earlier, your dad got pretty close to Manhattan Project, which, we're watching a sci-fi film. Oh, yeah. It's more like you are. Piss off, we are. I'm wondering. They're in the lab now. They're in the lab now. They're having fun. Yes. They're doing really weird. Yes, Lilu is about to be created. I always find this, the, the one thing I always find fascinating, right, is the where science fiction gets it right and wrong. Like, one of the interesting parts is if you look at a sci-fi film, mm-hmm. from Star Trek forward, you might even you probably go back to you know uh, Danger Will Robinson that you know. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Yeah. Well, I kept outer space is kind of my other list. Right. You can probably go back to there and go. As soon as you get to space travel, there's no more religion in those films. There's no religion. Which is fascinating. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, there might be, certainly there may be exceptions. I don't know of any. Yeah, but yeah. I can't, I mean, Star Trek, Star Wars, right. you know, they, they did the search for, but it wasn't church, right? It was... Yeah, I mean, there's the force. It's kind of pseudo-religious, but not really. Not really. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, they're not going to a temple together. It's just... There's no grand design, and it's not serving. Well, I mean, may, yeah, I guess maybe Star Wars has some pseudo religion. Yeah, I, I would, Star Wars is probably the closest yeah. that focuses on. It's almost more Buddhist than anything else, right? It is the focus yeah, on the purity yeah, yeah. of man, and you know, can you accomplish the calm? And it's it's fascinating. I, I like, but I always find it interesting because you look at these and you go, okay, where did they kind of get it right, and where they've gotten it wrong, right? right? And and you even go back and you're like, you look and be like, oh, you know. Ten years ago, if you saw a sci-fi film from the 80s and they had chips in their head, you're like, that's the dumbest thing. That would never happen. And then now Elon Musk yes. is like, dude, we can put They'll a chip totally in work, head. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh shit, they did get it right. Yeah. You know, it, but also with all of this, you know, it's outer space and they're talking to other dimensions, other beings. Vincent, do you believe in UFOs? Oh, there's many things that fly around that I, I can't identify. Do um, you believe there's aliens in those UFOs? There is a big universe, and mm -hmm. it would be awfully unrealistic for us to assume we're super special, and we can perceive everything, and that, since I am religious, that God has any reason to follow the laws of man. Yeah. Physics is just the study of how God did it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, God and science aren't incompatible. You're figuring it out. Um, and, and that's just that's just where I live on this stuff. Yes, I you know yes, science is science. Um, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. So, you know, as we saw, what's that help? That was the 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 telescope. We just started getting really cool images of the universe. Oh, the Hubble? From, no, not the Hubble. That was a Wyatt or uh, oh. I can't think of the name of it. Um, but the the pictures of the universe are stunning and colorful and. You look at that, and it looks like I don't know, like 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 a coral reef or something. It's got that level of intensity. Yeah, there's no way life is out there that maybe we just can't recognize. Sure. I I can't. I'm not going to take the odds no, against I, it. I agree with you on that. I, I, the other thing I wonder about when you think about technology and where they get it right and get it wrong is, and I, I was giving our British friend Philip a bad time about this. I was like, hey man, listen, you have the pyramids in Egypt, you've got the architecture throughout Greece, you've got the architecture in India, and, mm -hmm. and throughout, you know, Asia Pac itself is just amazing. And people are like, man, how did ancient man make this? What happened? You know, the Nazca lines, oh my gosh, what happened? And then, what do you Brits do? You've got some stones leaning up against one another, it looks like the aliens got drunk, and then tried to throw some shit together for you to make it seem something yeah. kind of cool. And you're like, that's also ours. Like, yeah. You can't have the queen and then have this awful, you know, extraterrestrial, we don't know what it means yeah. experience. Y'all just got drunk. Well, the hinge was actually, but no, the hinge is, so I don't know, I guess we never talked about this, yeah. but I've had a little exposure to that stuff. Really? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I worked for the National Trust for a few months, one summer in college, doing wow. archaeology. Um, and not far from there, it was in the Cotswolds, but I remember when we were, you know, running around, I was like 21 years old drinking my first beer, turned 21 there, actually. Um, but I, I, what I remember was uh, this guy, Bryn, I think his name, um, talking about how Stonehenge was part of a larger henge monument that was dug uh, with 
antlers and shoulder blades from elk or whatever it was. Like, that's what they used. And it was monstrous. It's a big thing. And it was well, their yeah, calendar. 30, 30 miles south is actually the biggest Stonehenge in the world. And a town is in, inside of it. Uh, that's near Avery, right? A yes. Yeah, Avery. Yeah, yeah, yep. Avery, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, we were doing a, I was working on a, uh, uh, up in, in, uh, Great Bedouin, um, uh, Romano British, uh, well, you know, excavation. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, they, they did that, that all, you know, one thing, and it was a realization I, I got way back when it was a pretty, it was a pretty seminal moment in our life. Uh, we keep forgetting that people back then were about as smart as we are. They just, we have more access to information tools. We've learned a lot. We've got a lot of all this, like, a couple thousand years of experience. Mm -hmm. But brains don't change that fast. No, but it begs the question, instead of the argument of brains don't change that fast, is it that we've had other successful, productive societies mm -hmm. similar to the one we're living in now. People screwed it up. The earth said, hey, we're going to, you know, whether it's a flood. Or Black plague. Hit, that was a bad day. Plague, yeah. you know, the, but those things happen that whittle it down. I mean, you know, to whatever that number may be. Yeah. And then build back up. And then what's that knowledge base, right? And we're and feisty we, little guys. We, we keep are, coming back. I mean, we are bacteria. Seriously. <laughs> honestly. We totally are. But I mean, look what happened to the American Indians before. You know, just the coincidence of. A lot of disease and American yeah. Indians get wiped out and then the settlers show up and they're and just like people. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You like, know? Oh, we shouldn't have oh whoops, you know, not knowing. Right. 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 It's just I mean, yeah, the, the human condition fascinates me. It, it does on how we look at the future like this movie. I mean the cars are flying around. First of all, the idea of cars flying and people going there's there's no traffic jams, you also have to remember how horrible drivers are and that then those cars are falling out of the sky. Yes. Right. This is three-dimensional chess with cars. With cars. And two-dimensional chess with cars doesn't work in any big city when you're driving around. Right, right. right. Or, or go to actually a real city like Delhi or go to Bangkok where there's millions upon millions of people, not just in bikes and mopeds and bicycles, but also just walking down the street. Yeah. Do not care. And I'm telling you, folks, you get flying cars like that, and I'm going to let you know right now, it's going to be a mess. Well, yes, except that if they start getting a little more, you know, the, the self-driving thing down, then you know, maybe maybe flying cars make more sense because they can't hit pedestrians as easily. Yeah, that's true. They can't hit pedestrians. But it's, the, the AI around that's crazy, right? Because you have to make rational decisions. Yeah, like but you got... Self-driving cars... But 5G is fast. you got low latency. Wow, this conversation took a twig. So, <laughs> yes, but you've got very low latency in 5G. So there, you, you know, so you've got that rapid, rapid yeah, learning. Rapid yeah, rapid It's interesting, right? Because they, do the, uh, they did the tests of the car's got to hit someone. Is it the old lady, a mom, a kid? You know, they got to do this thing. And the AI picks, you know, this. And it's like, well, but it avoided this much damage. Right. right? So the self-driving just figured it out. And it reminded me, so my friend Lori Siegel, she has a company called Dot Dot Media, and they were talking about AI and conversations. And they have uh, AI for people who might feel a little bit depressed, right? And, and, and TikTok and all the other ones, right? They, they tap into your phone, they got your camera, they're seeing your pupils dilate, they're seeing your response, your physical responses. And the terror in that is not that we're addicted to our phones. It's the idea that the artificial intelligence around all of that, if we chose so, 
which is wild to think about, but if you choose to, you could instantly make people depressed and you could put a billion people into a state of depression through AI. So we should have been watching, um, uh, what was the British, the, the film, the British one? The, the, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman, yeah, Kingsman too. But no, it's, it's fascinating yeah. because the reliance on technology Absolutely. is also, it, you know, it's, it's the separation of people and honesty and directness. Like yeah. When, you know, I, I see people mad and getting upset and I don't want to talk to this person, they're mean to me on Facebook. And I don't think technology is bad. I look at education and go, well, my kid's not learning speech and debate. She's not learning the understanding of conversation. She's not learning that we can disagree mm -hmm. and still be friends. And, and cursive. In fact, in fact, that makes it better. And cursive. Yeah. Right? But I mean, the idea of saying, hey, I don't have to agree with you and I can still enjoy your company is eroding away at such a rate that it's, it's going to bifurcate our system. And there, it's, it's, Folks, don't worry about a civil war. That's not going to happen. But you're going to insulate yourself into regressing mm -hmm. at such a rapid rate that you're going to be so much more easily manipulated. Yeah. You know, there's so many more things you're going to take advantage and of. We, we've got a confirmation bias society right now. Yes. I mean, it just is. I mean, you go to you go, you know, various places, uh, and especially being from the Northeast, where it, it's all compressed. Yeah. And um, and also spending a long time in, in D.C. where that's the business is confirmation bias. Um, that's how you get reelected. You've got to confirm the biases of all the people who are going to show up at the poll. That's right. You know? And, uh, um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. It, it's, it's interesting, and I have no answers on it, but I, I get thankfully exposed to good thoughts on it. Uh, but the, 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 that, that trend and also the um, uh, unwitting bias in AI. You know, the, the yes. invisible bias. Like, how can you, you know, identify the biases that you're unaware of? And, and Roger Rumsfeld, there's the known knowns and there's the unknown unknowns. You don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. Right. So. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, the, the unknowns. And the, the other thing that I find fascinating is the unknowns used to be exciting. And now they're seen as scary and we don't want to touch them because we don't know. Right. I'm like, you guys, this used to be fun. Like yeah. breaking stuff and messing up was fun. I know why. Because you learn something. I tell, I talk to companies all the time. They're like, "Hey, this guy really messed up. We might want to fire him." I'm like, first of all, did they make the mistake twice? No, first time it was just a big mistake. All right, well, when you hire the new person, is this in your training policy? You shouldn't make this mistake. No. So this person just became more valuable. They're going to go to your competitor. They're going to have all of the knowledge that they already have here. Plus the knowledge not to make that mistake, which how many people make that mistake? Well, if everyone did, we'd all be out of business. Oh, okay. So he's going to make sure then he doesn't make that mistake over there and really help that company. Right. You're going to bring a new person in with the risk of that mistake now being repeated. Mistakes are good. Failure is awesome. Absolutely. It's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had a thing at work. You know, it doesn't matter what it was about, but a meeting with my boss uh, last week, week before. This was week before. Um, and, you know, it was one of these things that have been, you know, trying to get my project, my, my group. And believe me, it's, it's tough. I got a group of lawyers. And to get a group of lawyers to actually do something that's really more operational is already challenging. Yeah. So, like, where are we on this thing? Like, well, we got the policy down. But, you know, in terms of execution, 
we failed. Like, we are not going to do this. This is not going to happen this year. Wow. We had a spectacular failure because now we know how to do it because we understood why we failed. Yep. And, and I, I, I did say that. It was, like, it was like when Elon Musk talks about having the, the rocket ship blow up. Mm-hmm. It blew up. We learned a thing. Don't do it again. If it blows up the same way again, now we it won't. It, but it won't because but now we know that the, our approach was wrong. So now yeah. we go in a different direction. That may blow up. But we had a thing. And so I, I completely agree with you. Everything's, you know, um, last time we were watching the world's fastest, my son and I were watching the world's fastest Indian. If you ever see that movie. Amazing, Amazing movie. Amazing. Amazing. And the, when they show the scenes of, you know, Bonneville in what, 1967 or whenever that was happening, and you see what people brought, just built with their hands. And let's go try it. And it's, it's not CAD. There was no CAD. Mm-mm. I know this. My brother was in engineering school in 69. <laughs> I know there was no CAD. They had punch cards and they had rulers and they had slide rules. Um, and they just tried it. And it, let's try this a little bit different. And I think back to my, my father, or my grandfather, I'm sorry, because uh, the tool thing I was talking about. And like, they just had a different approach to life. Wasn't supposed to not hurt. I've heard back then, it, it and it wasn't comfortable, no. and you might die, and it's better if you don't. We're so overly concerned. I mean, I'm not saying I devalue human life, but we're we're so risk averse in everything. Totally important in, in, in physical safety, but we're risk averse in everything else. Yeah, it's uh, you, know, you, you brought up engineering. Uh, World War II, our planes are getting shot down. They grab all these top engineers. Limited steel, like, we need to reinforce these planes. Where do we do it? They get all these top minds together. They study every plane that got shot, comes in, boom, boom, boom. They take all this to this general who doesn't have an engineering degree. They mm-hmm. say, you know, hey, look, he knows some math. He knows how to organize men and fight. And they present, and they go, as you can see with all these planes where they got shot, this is where we're going to make, this is where we're going to have reinforcements. He goes, no. Like, what do you mean? Like, we, these are the 10 best engineers on planet Earth. Like, you not get smarter than these guys. Like, no, they're wrong. And sir, how? Because those planes made it back. Find me the planes that got shot down and where they got hit. That's where we reinforce the steel. You're right. That's brilliant. I never heard that story it's before. It's brilliant because it's, they failed, but they didn't fail. Right. Because if you didn't go through that exercise... If the goal was to not be shot, yeah, they all failed. They all failed. Right. But if the goal was to get your pilot home. Right. Then they learned something about perception. Right. You know, I, I, I always make the joke with people, they'll get mad. And I pick on Republicans and Democrats because I'm a libertarian. And it's awesome because we don't have any power. So we, we haven't been corrupted uh, yet. After all the years in D.C.? Pick on everybody. That's right. Because, I mean, my, I'm the, my, my career was, I'm the equivalent of the towel boy in the locker room. He doesn't care what team it is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See, I love that. That's how I yeah. am. Like, I pick on everybody. And in picking on everybody, the fun of it is, you're like, yeah, I mean, they're all wrong. And they're all right at some point in time. Mm-hmm. But when you ask someone a question, you say, hey, how come this person did this? And they go, well, remember when he did that? I go, no, see, that, no, that's, not a, that's not a response. That's a deflection. And if you, can't, if you can't hold your own people accountable, why would I have respect for you trying to hold this asshole accountable? Mm-hmm. Like, you you got you to gotta own both sides of the street. You, know? you, yeah. you want to be better. I mean, my, my boss always tells me, he goes, unexpected is expected. Watch once. 
Yeah. There's an economist who did uh, makes quite a nice living off of that concept. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Unexpected is expected. It right. just is. Why? Because if I wanted to be Lone Depot or Quicken, then I want to be McDonald's, right? It's expected that you're going to have this burger this way, this temperature every time. You go, but I serve rich people, and they're all different. And because they're all different, guess what? I make myself address their unique qualities that make them special, that make this country run. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in a room with them, and I was like, dude, where do I sign the paper? Yeah. Like, what, you, this is yep. what you want to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, Like, I'm in. Because I, I, I love that theory. I love that idea. I wonder, you know, in your profession, the legal profession, there's, there's wiggle room and there's not. How do you, and I guess this is coming from a guy who has you know, four different things going on, mm -hmm. minimum every day. How do you keep it interesting, fun, and not burn out? Or is, or is the consistency of it the not burn out? I, I don't know. So I got really, really, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm still good. Okay. Um, I got really, really lucky three times with my kids. And I got even lucky, just as lucky, and I can't say even luckier. I got just lucky with my career because I have a non-traditional legal career. I mean, I'm a regular old lawyer and stuff like that. But um, I've been lucky enough, and I'm, I'm definitely at a period of it right now, where um, my job is to help the company figure out how to do something that I think is pretty cool that I really want the company to do. That doesn't get uninteresting ever, That's because awesome. because I know what the CEO is trying to do. The, C, mm -hmm. the, the general counsel is fully on board with it. Um, I'm, you know, obviously I can't say much about it because it's strategic, but it's like, I'm sitting there going, um, well, uh, uh, <laughs> I hope a thought comes to my head soon. <laughs> so, so it's, it's less legalese, more strategy than for what you're doing currently. Yeah, it, it, actually not that it's, it's because there's so, and again, I don't, I can't get too yeah, into no, it, fine, yeah. but I'll say that, um, it's trying to do something novel and cool in a very well-established area that has multiple layers of federal, state, international law. Nice. And then try to figure out, so you layer all those things up and everybody's yeah. going sideways. So I'm making, yeah. I'm making horizontal movements with my hands <laughs> and now drive a spear through it. I love it. John calls that removing the friction. So we're doing that in the financial services world. He goes, Jay, if you want to understand this world, you can't understand what we do. You have to understand where it starts and where it ends. Mm -hmm. And then you have to look at the friction. And he goes, look at 2008, 2009. The world crashes. People lose their jobs. The market crashes. Who doesn't get fired? Oh, the rating agencies and the people who rated all of those AAA. Yeah. <laughs> and they just said, oops. And everyone just said, okay. Yeah. He goes, so is that, does that help you know, the, the seller and the investor come closer together? Or does that separate them? So are they friction? All right, now let's figure out how to remove them. And it's the process of looking at the complexities of home finance from soup to nuts, from everything, and then him laying it out and going, where do you see friction? I'm like, dude, I barely passed 
mad, son. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, and he's like, no, I just want to, I want to see what you don't like. I'm like, I don't like these people. I don't like that. That should go. He's like, why? I'm like, because that affects our business here. He goes, okay. But then this is the, do you know what else they do? And then I pause and he goes, go, figure it out, come back. And the study and idea of it is what gets me back to, you know, kids learning how to argue properly, mm-hmm. going to school, you know, and I took home ec, learned how to sew. That's where I got my love for cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just those things. Like, go back and get to the, the root of it. Where is it? What is it? Yeah. What are you driving the spear through? Are you sure you want to You have to really, back? really know things. Uh, there's an old, uh, and I'll, I'll misquote it, but what I remember of it is, Something that Hemingway, I guess, had said about writing that, you know, you go and you write and, and writing's like an iceberg that you do in your research and you, you, you build the whole iceberg. And then the part that goes in the book is this part that sticks up over the water. And because you, you can't know stuff, you can't be simple, you can't simplify something unless you've mastered it. Yeah. And then when you really master it, once you get in touch with that, and then you know, and 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 this has really been a nice aspect of you know what I get to do is I get to spend all the time trying to learn stuff, like like my job, a big part of it. If I'm going to do my job well, they've paid me to sit there and become more educated at my own pace. That's a scam. <laughs> that's awesome I am very blessed I'm in a similar situation where I yeah. stuff like his daughter Taylor Jade's this amazing musician and he's like Jay let's tap in the music industry I'm like yeah because I got my head wrapped around this finance thing over here no problems oh and you know, the music industry is totally stable really simple and has not undergone any economic change at all None. in the past 10 years and there's there's no hiding of funds or anything no, none, none. You you press the disc, you put it out there. They buy the forty five, yep, right? Yeah, exactly. It's right. super easy. Radio, you just yes. call the guy. You're like, can you play this song? And exactly. Like, yeah. Son. So when I figure that out, we get in streaming, and he's like, "All right, how come we're not getting paid?" I'm like, "Let me figure this out." He goes, "All right, well, we need to get popular so we're on playlists. But playlists for every song they give you point zero seven three cents. Mm-hmm. But that's not per song. That's split up between all the artists on that playlist. But then every song has to be played through 95% to be counted as a play. So if a song gets skipped on the playlist, then no one gets paid on the playlist. And he's like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> he's just like, and, you know. That, so <laughs> Which is we, why now bands are in the t-shirt business. Yeah, yeah. as well, yeah. So we just, we had goals. Everyone says she's an unsigned artist, she won't get on radio. Jason, fix it. Billboard Top 40. Billboard Top 40. Nice. He's like, hey, um, you know, can we get on radio anywhere else? Uh, Sweden, France, England, Brazil, Australia. He's like, okay, let's, um, you know, let me call one of my buddies. Two top DJs in Vegas that run Omnia and these other Mm -hmm. ones. They remix two of her songs. Now they're getting played globally and you're seeing right. the Shazam numbers and you see all that stuff. And it's one, it's propelling her and yeah. she does. Now how did you get but how did you get the ball rolling? Where was the thing? Because once once I guess I would assume once you've gotten a certain momentum, okay, now like people 
But but where do you, how do you get, how do you light the firecracker? Lighting the firecracker for us was twofold. So one is pulling back and going, she's not an independent artist. She's an omni-channel personality brand that happens to sing. Okay. And what's behind that? Well, John's like, I'm successful. I'm not worried about my daughter making money. So she's got to have a purpose. So she's a purpose-driven artist. She is here for one reason, to build a community of people that will work together and that we can bring advertisers on that will then say, oh, I don't want your money. In fact, the money you give us, we're going to disperse that to, to give nutrition to a million kids a day. That's our goal. Okay. And so we, we set that up and it's like, all right, now then, if she was an enterprise, if she was a company, what would marketing look like? What would email look like? What would outreach look like? What would PR look like? What would strategy look like? All of those things. And so build that enterprise. Like mm -hmm. She's got 500 employees, build it. I'm like, all right, build that. And then it was, okay, what's everyone doing to get streaming numbers now? Mm -hmm. What would you do? I don't know. Let me call my buddy. So I call this guy. He's a hacker. Well, hey, if I wanted to really like blow numbers out of the water, what would I do? He's like, well, you don't have the time, but um, I, I, wrote, I wrote a script. I can drop her song into every WhatsApp chat. Whoa. I can drop her song into every WhatsApp chat, chat everywhere. Like any one of them that has one space open, I'll drop a link for a song. In there. Mm -hmm. Now there'll be no stickiness. They're not probably going to come back, but they'll click the link and hear the song. Mm -hmm. So mm, 150 million streams, no problem. Right. And everyone's like, oh, would you buy? I'm like, no, I paid a hacker to drop into all of these places. Right. But then that gives credibility. So essentially, you, you posted a billboard. Yeah, I posted a billboard. In a different way. And yeah. we, we pushed it for a moment, right? And mm -hmm. pushed it, and then it was like, okay. And then that comes into do a press release, and then someone goes, oh, well, hold on. How did, what? We should probably play this on the radio. Right. And then we got to the radio part, and the rep was like, all right, you know, here's what we do. So we do it. Manage that person. They, you know, it's like PR firm, right? They make the phone calls. They do the thing. And then she was in the top 100. And he goes, man, you're not going to get past the top 100. And I'm like, ah, let it ride. You're not going to get past the top 100. Top 40. Dude, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and for all of you, I, I'm sure we're now coming back after Jason just deleted the part where he gave away his magic sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I don't, it's, I, I'll, I'll share this. I really don't care. I want to start a company called The Farm. And the tagline is we dig in the shit. And what it really means is, is whether you're a seed or whether you're a full pasture, right? Your, your SWOT analysis is always who's, who's coming in to get you, who's stealing your business. But my SWOT analysis is how's your soil? How's your fertilizer? How are your people working? What's your strategy? Yep. And I don't care about the differentiation from your competitors. I care about the experience mm -hmm. from your competitors. It, it, it's a brilliant idea because if someone can come in and, and you know, uh, be a disruptor in your business and they're not even in your business, think of how poorly you must be running your business so that your flaws are that obvious to people who don't even, aren't even in the business. Yeah. And everybody gets stuck in, in their habits. And, and, you know, look, their safety and, and, and 
you do things the way that you do them because you know why you're doing them. And it's super challenging mm-hmm. to go slap yourself in the face and go, wait, have I been an idiot all this time? Yeah, wait, what? Know, you know what? Maybe you have compelling, amazing customer service and a good product, but people just come to you because you're the cheapest. Right. Or the people come to you because you're the nicest. Yeah. And it's complicated. When you get into big companies, board of directors, I mean, boards don't like to hear, hey, look, uh, we're going to blow up our business plan again. Yeah. Look what it did for Netflix when they did that. Right? Netflix wouldn't be here. It would yeah. be Redbox. And isn't that or funny? Blockbuster. But it's when you look at, you know, and, and, and you know, this, this ties back into law and regulation, all that, and the SEC saying, you know, you got a fiduciary duty, and the board's got to, you know, look at the quarterly, and, and it's really hard then for a company to say, yeah, let's blow it up. Yeah, we're making a lot of money. It's fine. But we might suck in a couple of years. But also, like, you look, you talk to people. I always sit down. I was talking to this group. I'm like, uh, we're just having a problem. I said, no, you're not having a problem. You're just marketing the wrong stuff. And they go, what do you mean? They said, what's your most profitable piece? I go, it's X. How much money do you put behind X? Not, not a lot. It's really hard to sell. No, and I didn't ask how hard it, I'm not here for the hard and the can'ts. I asked you, what's your most profitable and how much do you put behind it? What's your least profitable? This over here, A. All of this money. I go, now, hourly wages, because that's not part of your budget, is it? No, I didn't put that in the budget. Okay. Did you put these things in the budget? I didn't put those. Okay, so we've got all, add all those in, and then look at what you're putting all your money into, and then look at your profit margin on that, and then now take away all the extra money of the employees and all the other stuff you have to buy to do the work. You're losing a dollar every sale. But you make it up in volume. You make it up in volume. <laughs> And you don't have an upgrade strategy. Yeah. I said, now you could cut 30% of your staff, something you don't want to hear. You could increase your marketing budget only by 20% over here, which actually decreases it by 60%, which your marketing people don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And then in all of that, in everything there, your profits will go up 300%. And there's like, huh? Profit, not revenue. Profit, not revenue. Profit will go up 300% though. But why? Because it's the most profitable thing. The one thing that can make you the most money, that will make you a leader that no one else touches because it's hard to sell. Go after it. Go after it. There's, I I don't know where I heard it from. I I think it was an economics professor way back in the day. Um, But I, I always thought it was a great, you know, thing like talk about stuff to put on the wall. All money is fungible. Truth. All money is fungible. You've got money. Money, and, and I would see this like when you, when you, you know, and this goes back to the DC time. People are like, well, you know, when we're investing in this economy, we're gonna, you know, companies are going to do their, they're going to put their royal money here. Investors are going to invest in whatever pays them back, exactly. and they don't care if it's Twinkie futures. It's all fungible. It's all fungible. And, you know, you look at insurance and it's real fungible. And an insurance company, they raise $25 billion cash. They have a $250 billion fund because they get a 10x it. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. On a conservative, they get a 10x everything. So people are like, wait a second, what do you mean? So the, the one, this money, well, that's not the real. I'm like, no, it's, it's fungible. That's not the real dog. Right. Stop. 
Yeah, it is. It, it's, it totally is. I mean, you know, all these, geez, 25 years of telecom learning, of like, you know, oh, we're going to put our broadband money. You're like, we have our broadband. We got more money for broadband. I'm like, and, and so for years, a long time, I was with a company that, honestly, the government kept like saying, like, here, here, state governments, here's some broadband money. And we're like, we got money? <laughs> no customers over there. Yeah. <laughs> all money's fungible. <laughs> all fungible. Yeah. And they get it by the time they deploy it, and when someone actually moves there and gets it, they're like, "Have you heard of 5G? We got 5G money now." So we're like, "I just hooked up broadband, son. Calm down." Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, and it it pays. Look, I mean, going to that side, yeah. and you know this, telecom, all those you know, uh, uh, information distribution systems mm-hmm. are just like the same economics in a way as a model, I guess, as a railroad. High fixed cost, zero marginal cost. Or yes. close to zero marginal cost. So, you know, if there's going to be revenue, it's going to be long term. And then when you look at the math, the money's there. The money's always going to yeah. be there. You, uh, you talked earlier about life with your parents and your brothers and sisters and the big families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, what was school like for you? I mean, was it, you know, you're, you're an attorney, you're a smart man. Everyone's assumption is, oh, you know, fifth grade, he joined debate. Oh, you know, this, he's smart, he knew this and that. But what, what was school like for you? Uh, I was surprised when I got the idea to be a lawyer when I was 20 years old. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, I was, uh, I did everything but. Um, school never really, you know, uh, regularized going to classes, school didn't really wasn't a great experience for me. It wasn't a terrible experience for me. I mean, okay. you know, all Did that. you play sports? Did Not really. Kind of okay. sucked at it. I had a bad right eye. Got it fixed later on, but I, it was only later on like when I was 40 and I got my, my, my LASIK. I realized, oh, I couldn't catch balls because I was I was looking at everything in 2D. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's like not I good, didn't bro. realize that the right eye didn't really work that well. Um, and so, but I was, I, uh, you know, like anybody, you know what's, what's easy? I was blessed to be a good reader. And I just, you know, I had a thing um, that when they do the standardized tests, when it was the, the verbal stuff and the, or, you know, all that, um, I'd get them all right, basically. Uh, math was kind of average in, but you do what's easy. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of drew me. Uh, I loved reading. Uh, back when I was a little kid, my mom would take me every summer. There was a reading how many books you could read contest in my town, which is not a small town. Um, I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big town, but it was a good bedroom suburban community, 45 minutes outside of New York City. That doesn't mean, you know, yeah. that wasn't a farm. Um, I'd win. Uh, I'd read more books every summer than anybody else because it was easy and I was fat and lazy and I could sit on the couch and read books really fast. I, sometimes I didn't even read, leave the library. I'd just sit there on the floor by the shelf and like read a book and then read another book. So um, that was my thing. I could always read. I always had really high comprehension. So... That took me a certain way. I sucked at math. I liked science. Uh, I'd read a lot about like, you know, rocketry and all that stuff. Um, so I was never a technophobe, but ended up, um, and I played football for a while. It was awful. I think I was the worst person on any team I was ever on. Um, but then I, uh, you know, I, I got kind of drawn towards the arts, and there was this particular... Uh, I know it's probably getting more into it, but it, it's been a no, strange please. thing. Um, so there was a, 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 a teacher in my high school, uh, Elliot Taubenslag. 
has that for a name. And, and uh, he's, he's, he's a, he passed away not that long ago after a 50-year career of changing lives. And so he had this thing that if he could tell, and by this time, like, you know, early in high school, late, 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 late junior high, you know, I was definitely, uh, I look much like I do now, but with longer hair. And my kids actually <laughs> look exactly like me, uh, wearing black T-shirts and work boots. I was a ginker. If anybody looks it up, uh, from East Brunswick, that's a thing. Not a gang. It's a term for other people might call burnouts or whatever. Okay. Uh, but in East Brunswick, they're called ginkers, uh, G-I-N-K-E-R. And, uh, and, and it's this combination of burnout and art, art, artsy, musically oriented person. And Elliot, um, Mr. T, would sort of cull from among the group and say, hey, you should be a stagehand. Help me out in this play, whatever. And so I got kind of drawn into that. And then he would say, hey, go, you know, put a costume and go on stage. And so he was sort of recruiting unlikely people into drama club. Very unlikely people. I went from playing football to drama club. Wow. And... Um, and, and he was great. And, uh, and so that became a thing. And I ended up good friends with his son, his younger son, and these other couple of guys. And uh, by the end of high school, I was going off to Mason Grove School of the Arts to major in acting, BFA in acting. So then I went there for a year. Callista Flockhart was supposed to, I heard this years and years later. I don't know if it's true, but the rumor was Callista Flockhart deferred from the class I was in. There's only 30 people in that class. There were 29 when I started, like apparently she was the mystic person. But um, apparently. But, uh, but yeah, so, so we did that. I did that for like one year and realized I, I didn't really want to be an actor. I just really liked it. Ended up studying art history. Started my master's in art history. That's when I did the archaeology and all that. And okay. then became a programmer at AT&T. Now, art history, <laughs> have you seen that movie, The Last Leonardo? I did not see that yet. I have not. It's so confusing. As a, I mean, I loved art. I, mean, well, mm. I had an option. I fell in love with art because in Montana, I like how they give a freshman in high school the option of you can take two semesters of Spanish or four years of art. And I was like, I mean, four years of art. I four mean, years of, of history with hints. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, Big Fork, Montana. I. The Spanish, we don't even have a Taco Bell in the Flathead Valley. Like, this is taco time. We've got Choco Tacos. This is the most redneck, lager. No, yeah, I'm never going to use Spanish. Never thinking of anything, right? And right. Talking to him, I'm, I'm, I'm a year young, so I'm 13, rolling in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Who cares? This is awesome. And then I fell in love with art. Yeah. And fell in love with the, the history of it, the idea of it. And the the challenge of it, yeah. of can you have fun doing art? Can you enjoy the principle of it? And then you have to make the determination: Are you going to copy? Mm -hmm. or are you going to be original? But if you're going to be original, you've got to be so good at being original that people want to copy it, so that people right. know it's good. And to be truly original, yeah, it helps to have an idea. Of What's out there? Exactly. And do like you know, look at look at uh, old, look at look at early Picasso versus late Picasso. hundred percent. It wasn't like he forgot how to paint or Mondra. They didn't forget how to paint. They knew exactly what they were Salvador doing, Dali. and then they made changes. Salvador Dali, it was like right? Vermeer with his painting quality. Yeah, and it's just and, and it's the thing of you have to know the excellence and the perfection of it as a natural state mm -hmm. so that you know how to manipulate it. Yeah. 
so the manipulation works in, mm-hmm. in someone's mind's eye. And I, and I absolutely, I mean, I fell in love with it. So then I had to watch The Last Leonardo, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, that movie got done, and I was more confused <laughs> before it started. Before. I have no idea about this movie, but so, now so i got to look it up. So it says they find a, a Leonardo. Mm-hmm. And they strip it all down, and there's, you know, it's, I mean, you see the original, and it's just like, oh, shit, like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. It doesn't look a painting. It was painted over on something else. Someone found it. At, these two guys found it at an auction in New Orleans. Is this a true story? It's or a true story. It's a documentary. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. And then they brought it somewhere else, brought it somewhere else, and then the master of Leonardo is his protege, and she's like, you know, 75, and he's 97, mm-hmm. about to die. They've stripped it down because they can see there's another painting behind it, and they really aged the wood, and they're like, oh, this is like Leonardo da Vinci era time. Mm-hmm. And they see it, and there's a handhold that's very da Vinci reminiscent, and the, the no lip line kind of thing, and they're like, okay, well, then it's her job to restore it back to where she thinks it is. But they only can find about 10% of the painting, which means this lady painted 90% of it. And it ended up selling to a print sheet for you know, $900 million. Mm-hmm. Something just got noticed. But the argument is, is if it's his last work, there's only 10% of it left. Also, it's really her painting. And she just did a really good job expressing a Leonardo-style painting here. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, you have to understand movement of paint, understanding of the artist, you know, you have to know where he was to know why this was. Yeah. And but you know, and then you've got the finance investor guy who's like, "Shit, I don't care. I sold it for nine hundred million dollars." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sotheby's is like, "That was a good quarter." Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, and 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 I mean, one of the reasons I loved his art history was it, it wasn't art appreciation. It wasn't you know. I mean, yeah, it does set people up to be collectors. But if, you know, college, grad school, I, I did like a year. Masters towards it, like it's just about what led into 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 what, and then there's this thing, and then that, and it was, it's just been such an enriching experience because like I got to enjoy a part of my life that most heterosexual guys aren't really able to like spend the time getting to know, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to do a plug for my parents, please. My parents totally supportive of everything I ever did academically and, and not. They wanted me to get better grades. I didn't get the best grades because I would only get A's in things I cared about and I was interested in. And I'd do great. No work. Because I was allergic to homework. But <laughs> if I did the work, I would have been fine. It was just laziness. But, um, uh, but my father, who wanted to be a professor and ended up teaching for AT&T, but he still had that mindset. So the only thing that matters, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he would just, the exact phrase was, your job is to learn how to learn. And it didn't matter what we studied. And so if I was getting A's in art history, well, that's where you're getting your degree in. Because it, like he, and what I learned afterwards, and it was consistent with this thought, but it's my own, I was raised, because grad school is when it matters. Just get A's. Just get A's in the thing you're good at. Know how to, learn, how to be an autodidact. Everything else will sort, sort itself out. Um, and so, yeah, he was got into acting school. Yeah, they were there. There was none of this like, you can't do that. My son doesn't show up in shows and sing. It was like, hey, look what he's doing. <laughs> you know, 
That's awesome. It was in pure support and, you know, uh, and it resulted in a career that, you know, when my father was alive, I was, I worked for the government for a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my dad when I, when I decided to go to law firm in, in D.C., I said, hey, you know, I got this really nice job. Because he did some nice things for the government. And he got this really nice job. And he said, why would you leave such a prestigious position? <laughs> <laughs> like, because you're paying me three times more. But why would you leave the job? Yeah, you're like, well, I'm doing some quick math. Yeah, exactly. It's going to get me to where I want to be a little right. faster. That's, that's one of the things I look back on. Because I, I don't, my real dad, I don't share a lot of stuff with him. At least yeah. not that. I mean, we're yeah. close enough, right? And my mom got married a lot, so she's got stepdads that are alive and dead and, you know, on death's door and all the other things. And I had a chance to run global comms for Saudi Aramco. Oh, no kidding. And it was, that was love, love. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, oh. and then they, they, if they hand out money, almost like they're pulling it out of the ground. I mean, for real. Yeah. And after eight years there, you get a pension if you decide to leave and you get 70% of what you're making. Mm-hmm. And after 12, you get 85. And after 15, you get a hundred. Like you just got to walk away. And I was like, I mean, I could do eight standing on my head and then I would never have to work again. I have shoes that old. Right, exactly. So do I. So, I, but I didn't have that, and I was scared to pull the trigger. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's the what ifs, and and people are like, well, "Were you really scared?" I'm like, "You, Jason, we know you. You have an ego the size of Texas." Like, and I'm like, "Yeah, great." Still, didn't do it couldn't wrap my head around certain things and didn't have the support be, and my fault, right? I didn't reach out for it either. Yeah. But it's one of those things where if you've never reached out for it and you have and sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. you know, huge life-changing decision, do you not want to get an answer? Right. <laughs> You'd rather just not fucking do it. Just be like, well, I just didn't do it. Yeah. Then not get an answer. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I take it and I go, oh, like every Taekwondo. Harper likes that, I'm there, I'm supporting. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanna do this, I'm there, I'm supporting. And I'm not saying my real dad wouldn't do that. I'm saying a lot of times they didn't give me the opportunity because they didn't know him very well. Right, right. And I don't want my child's excuse to be, I didn't know you very well. He's like, yeah. you're everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, that's. yeah. It, 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 you just you gotta be I mean it kills me right now with my kids being half a country away when they're not with me um, but thank God for the most part you know at least for my boys you know I, I was physically there long enough that they know you know and yeah. and, and and they were old enough after you know the whole move and everything that uh, um, you know they have seen me fly all the way to Virginia just to show up for the little junior high band concert because Absolutely. I ain't gonna miss it and it's not like hey I did a big thing I live for that that's my child up there that's yep. I want that I hope they care that it, you know I don't really care that they care if they're I really don't I wanted to see it I want I wanted to be <laughs> yeah, there I want to be I don't want to miss a thing exactly no I that gave me goosebumps because that is uh, that's an awesome thing it's, it's something that I strive for of like no, I'm not missing that once a week, I still I have lunch with my daughter. Yeah. I go to school. 
don't want to sit at that little ass table. My knees up by my ears. You know, all these kids are like, yeah. what are you doing? I'm like, I brought, you know, but then she walks in and they're getting their little lunches and she's got Chick-fil-A or P. Terry's mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, you know, hundred little kids staring at my yeah. daughter and she's eating. She's, I mean, to the point where she's like, dad, can you bring it in a different bag? I don't like people staring. Nice. That's funny. <laughs> just yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, it, and, and, you know, it becomes hard with distance, but one of the things I, I try to stick to, um, that I've been pretty good at, it started a while ago, and it's, it's the easiest stupid thing in the world. The minute I would get up, the first thing I do is I text whatever kids are not with me. Yeah. Say good morning. That's it. And they, you know, especially my daughter, she, like, won't text back or whatever she's in class. <laughs> or but, you know, and I know this from talking to other, you know, professionals. Um, it doesn't matter that they text back. No. They know I texted. Job done. They know dad woke up and I was the first thing he thought of. Yep. And that's all I'm trying to do is let him know. You're the first thing I think of today. I do that in the morning. So every morning, and then I got my daughter a tablet so that we could always mm-hmm. FaceTime. Yeah. Here we go. She's like, I got to brush my teeth. I'm like, I'll brush mine. And we're brushing teeth together. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, did you have breakfast? I'm like, dad, you know dad is not Till about 11 noon. Yeah. What do you have? I have this. Can we just hang out? You do some work. I'm going to eat some breakfast. I'm like, absolutely. And tonight I go see her at Taekwondo. It's like 6 o'clock. And I go, hey, uh, I got a podcast with Vincent. She goes, oh, really? Oh, man. I'm like, yeah. I'll tell him hi for you. Oh, tell her hi for me. And I'd yeah. love seeing her at the birthday party. She's, yeah, she was so happy. She I was barely so got a chance to see her, but yeah. And I was like, but, you know, so I'm not going to call you tonight because we're talking. But, you know, I love you. I know you got some friends over. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. First thing in the morning. She goes, a little extra long talk in the morning. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. And then so now my alarm's set for 4.30 because I'll get up. I'll do all my gym stuff. So I'm back here mm-hmm. sitting down, composed and ready. Right. Let's have a chat. And it's the best part. It's yeah. the best part of the day. I, I do the afternoons with, with, with Anna specifically. Uh, Alexa, every seven days a week at 4.30, Alexa goes, call Anna. That's awesome. <laughs> I do it when I travel. I love it. And I mean, my boss knows I won't be in a meeting. And he'll get the time. Like, Have you talked to Harper yet? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to get to that. And he goes, step out of my office now. Go, call, go collect your daughter. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those feelings. Where, you know, I get other companies that recruit me a lot. And they mm-hmm. call me up. And, hey, you got to do And I'm like, hey, y'all aren't that. Yeah. You're just not. And I'm not knocking you for not being that. I'm just saying, you don't understand how spoiled I am. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you can't pay me enough to be like, well, maybe you could. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very expensive. It's going to be very it's expensive. Hurt. It's going to hurt you a lot. You're yeah. Gonna, you're going to really wonder if you're making a smart decision. You'll be like, mm, how much do we like yeah, this guy? Yeah, exactly. Which but yeah, it makes all the difference. makes all the difference in the world. I, I wonder, um, you know, with... Your background, everything that you've been able to do, all the all the all the things in life you've been able to to experience. When you look at the day and you see the world, your kids are coming up, and you when someone's nineteen, they're fifteen, correct? Mm-hmm. Your daughter's twelve. Yeah, I got nineteen, fifteen, and uh, twelve. They're all going to change. 12. So I'll have I'll have nineteen, uh, sixteen, and thirteen within weeks. Within weeks, so. Yeah. You know, and everything, especially the last couple of years, has transpired. How much 
do you want them to go out and explore and be crazy and do what you did? And how much of you is saying, yes, I want that, but there's this safer road over here. I'd really like you guys to run down. Yeah, I'd never do that. I never? Just, I would, I would be, it, would be, it would be disrespectful uh, and ungrateful for me to I say, um, you know, you guys can't have the advantage of uh, unquestioning acceptance that I did. And, but it was unquestioning acceptance balanced with a strong identity and, and uh, guidelines. That envelope yeah. was very clear. You will not screw up. You are not going to go and you're, you're not sitting on the couch doing nothing. You're going to do something. You do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Bust your ass at it. Bust your ass at it. And if you're not, go do something you want to bust your ass at. What's your point? Yeah. Why are you wasting time? Don't, don't screw around. You're not, and, 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 you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, I've, I've been able to show up at work and, and, and do stuff. So I don't think I'm a complete idiot. And so I got that. And I know my kids are all like got stuff between their ears. So I, I think that does, you know, I'm grateful for that, but I don't know. They'll do something as long yeah. as they're doing something. They're, they're going to, they're, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and they'll figure it out. Is, um, when you, uh, when you think about your life and your kids and where you're at and all the things that you've done, if you grab some, I don't even have to, you don't have to go as specific as songs, but musical artists, like if you're making a mixtape, it's brought Vincent here. What are some of the bands that are on that tape? What are some of the songs that if you're into Carl's uh, kids, they're like, we're playing this? Uh, I'd say probably 60% of it is Mark Knopfler. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's been uh, just a, a, not only in content, but in uh, storytelling um, and also presence. I mean, he's just, you know, Dire Straits and then Mark Knopfler has just been a constant. If I'm alone, and I don't know what to play. It's going to be that. It's going to be that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's. Is there special music with the kids? For that one, yeah, the kids love. We all love. We all love uh, uh, money for nothing because it's just a fun song. That's good. Um, it is. It is a fun song. Um, there's not a lot of musical crossover for the kids. I mean, there's stuff that I played forever, and they're like, "Yeah, dad's music." Um, but if I wanted to tie every, this is going to be a complete departure. But if I wanted to tie all the kids together yeah. in a thing, we're going to play bebop. We're going to play jazz. We're going to play good Ooh, jazz. Nice. And it's got nothing to do with me. Um, their grandfather, uh, my former father-in-law, the one, one of the members, now I, I still have a lot of fond feelings about most of the members of the family, but he's a guy that when we are together, he and I are standing next to each other. He sold me his prized car that he had forever after his daughter and I got divorced. Wow. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's a great dude. Um, George Blodgett just, just, uh, just turned 81 on Saturday. Um, and he spent his, his uh, career, most of his career, with Fender Musical Instruments. But he was a musician since high school, played stand-up bass. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, was doing pretty good stuff with it, played union bass and all that. And then, uh, uh, and then uh, his first child uh, my, my former wife came along and he had to get a real job and he ended up working in a music store and, um he's from upstate new york and that led into being with fender uh and then he retired at 60 so he can go back to playing full-time 
Wow, good and for him. And he played jazz, and you know he's 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 well on in years now. He's not getting around like he used to, but he played weekly, more than once a week. And so we would go see him as a family. We'd go up because we'd spend our Christmases and a big chunk of our summer in, in New Hampshire where we lived, and we would go see George play wherever he was playing, and he played well and with good people. And uh, had a lot of friends who were professors at Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And so, yeah, my kids, like, that's the family music is really good jazz. Nice. I, uh, I got lucky. And I, selfishly, I got lucky. Uh, my ex-wife had a C-section. So Harper, the bassinet was on my side of the bed. Mm-hmm. I met her at midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., and it was my time. There's no one calling. There's no good TV on. But I play music. Her and I. And to this day, one of my favorite things is, is she'll go, hey, Dad, can I need your phone in the shower. I'm like, all right, why? Well, because the device doesn't play Muddy Waters. And she wants the That's Muddy Waters. That's good stuff. You know, it's like, oh, hey, Dad, you know, your favorite song, uh, Told, you know, from Toad the Wet Sprocket. Can you play oh, yeah. that for me? Or, hey, uh, I'm curious. You know, I, I really like this Steve Miller band. What's the dance song? I mm-hmm. want to hear that one again. You know, and we, so that's why we do road trips. Like we don't fly one because I want to show the country, but two, I want to indoctrinate her with just the best and the worst music. You know, '80s. Huey Lewis and the News Sports. She loves the whole. Oh, album. that's an amazing album. It is. Just, the Tower I still Power. listen to that. It's still on my. It's a great yeah. album. And uh, I haven't introduced her to jazz yet, but I have some. I mean, I, I'm very blessed. Uh, famous Hollywood actor Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah. Jazz. Yep. I was in L.A. Went to a private jazz show in Hollywood, and he was playing, and he walked by. And I just said, Mr. Goldman, great, great set, brother. And he stopped, spun around, grabbed a chair, sat down at our table, and chatted with us for 45 nice. minutes. Oh, that must be awesome. And he's got such a cool personality. He's just a cool dude. I mean, yeah. this is 1999. Mm-hmm. It was just wild. And it was just the nicest, out of his element, obviously. Yeah. Right, but also not like probably more in his element because it's respect for the craft. Yeah, you can't fake it. And you do a bad movie. No, you can't. Yeah, there's no editing in live no, jazz. There's no editing. Yeah, yeah. None. You got it. And I can't play jazz. Like I look at jazz guitarists. I'm, you know, I've been a crappy guitarist for probably have most most of your lifetime. <laughs> really bad. Uh, horrible. Um, but I wouldn't even attempt jazz. Yeah, no, there's, that's a, that's a special, you know, kind of like what John says, unexpected, expected. That's yeah. a special, unstructured, structured relationship that you have, not just with music, but with the people you choose to celebrate music Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, can we, can we use the... Yeah, please, can we use the restroom? While he's using the restroom, folks, we're going we're gonna to address a couple of things that I, I find absolutely fascinating. Not just about the movie, which is still playing. We're getting up to the music part. 
But, uh, and the music part being that lady does the beautiful operatic piece. And, you know, uh, no spoiler alert, but this movie's old enough, she gets shot. We all know what happens. But more importantly, you know, one of the things uh, that I want to say is, you know, this podcast is, is obviously grown and it's taken different directions and, and, and done some different things. And one of those very, very different things is that we've departed a lot from the movie aspect. The movie's still there because it is, and I'll just let you guys know, it's, it's an opener. It is a thing that lets you know what's going on. Uh, and, and it also is the opener to the vulnerability of, of a person celebrating themselves and who they are and, and what they do. And then in that, obviously, you have, you know, outside of that vulnerability, then it's like, oh, well, this is one of my favorite things, and then we get to share more. You know, and it, it doesn't, you know, it's obviously after four years, it's evolved quite a bit, but the evolution of this really is a selfish thing for me to get to know people that I enjoy spending time with or that I want to spend time with. And then two, hopefully for you guys listening, it's also, a, it, it's, it's an idea in conversation. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an idea in meeting or understanding a profession or a person or an ideal that is obviously way, way different than maybe who you engage with, or maybe more importantly, it's someone that you actually do very closely engage with, but now you're getting a different perspective on the profession, on the person, on the idealism, and on, on what it means and where it's at. And in those things, that's where I think we become better. That's where we grow, and that's where things become, you know, for me, uh, a heck of a lot more interesting. More interesting in life, more interesting in art, more interesting in concept and ideals, and also just in the thought process of who you choose to surround yourself with, and maybe in your life, instead of why don't you surround yourself with that person, instead going, you know what, I'm gonna challenge myself in thought and idea, in profession, in, in growing and, and being open and different, you know. Oh, you can open that by the mic. It's a, it's, a, it's a cracker. It's a beer cracker. Yeah. But it is. It's just, and so with that, you know, take these conversations and these ideas and, and ask yourself this. Of all the people you hang out with, have you asked them these questions or questions like this? Have you done anything different to where you call someone your friend, how well do you know them? Are there people you talk with that you want to get to know better? And if you do, then in all of that, how are you diving in? What are you using? And why using is it an opportunity, a, a part of your event? Is it instead a, um, a thought or an idealism that, that, you know, like this, it's a movie? Or is it just grabbing a cold one and inviting someone out that you don't know that well, but you think you might? And guess what? Nine out of ten times, it's going to suck. You're going to mess up. But it's the 10th time where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, Not for yeah. me, but for Jason. No. But, you know, so it's, uh, it is, it's, you know, it's, this podcast has just changed so much. I remember the first time, one of the first ones I did was with this famous comic, Jesse Mae Pelusa, and I love her to death. And she gave me her cell phone number, and I was like, and I tell everyone, I said, well, you know, now that we're, we're friends. She's like, okay, you know, like, no, we're friends. And we still text and talk to this day now. And this is four years ago. Nice. But I remember we did the Evil Dead and we're talking, you know, it's just the zombie bit someone, you know, it's a little kid. And she goes, what would you do if a kid, you know, came after you? And you have a kid, what would you do? 
I'm like, that was a zombie Zombie? kid? I go, I'm closing the door. I'm booting to the curb. I'm starting over. And we're laughing. And then we go from that into now all these zombies are attacking and they're going after things. And we're, we're, we're having a great time. And this random thought comes. I go, you know how bears attack people, right? She goes, what do you mean? I go, you know, they say cover your head, which is true. But bears just, if, when they maul you, they're just there to wound you. Then they want your meat to rot and that's mm-hmm. when they eat you, which is why you get trichinosis, which is why you don't eat mm-hmm. you know, medium rare bear meat. She goes, I, I'm, how's this zombie? I'm like, they eat you with the ass first because they want to clip your hamstrings so you can't run away. <laughs> and she's a comic. So, of course, this goes down to very odd and I would say aggressive tangent. And we are dying laughing over George Romero's Night of the Living Dead horror film. Just in a bar, on the ground, laughing. But I also got to learn a lot about Jessie Mae. And then, like a year later, I did an event, and her father had Alzheimer's. He's like, oh, we're raising money for Alzheimer's. Oh, no and I had the person there, and I'm like, this is, the, you know, left her a voicemail. Yeah. Here you go. You know, this is what we did. Um, and it, but it became where, I remember when I started this podcast, I wanted to be very strict. Like I, had, I have notebooks still mm-hmm. of me breaking down the film of, this is a topic. Have to talk about this. Right. this. And it was about the movie. And the movie's neat. But I had to remember why I did it. Why I wanted it. Why Thanksgiving means so much to me. You know, planes, trains, and automobiles. And the ending. Mm-hmm. They got that stupid case and they're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Open the door. See Steve Martin's face? You see the family's face? Yeah. He's home. Yeah. Tears in his eyes. Wife, father, mother, kids. And then you see John Candy. Mm-hmm. And you know he doesn't have his wife. Right. And you know after everything how hard he is to be around. And you think, man, I've been that person who's hard to be around. But he's in the house for the first time. For the first time, unlike what he tried to create with Steve Martin in every instance, Mm -hmm. for the first time he felt at home. He wasn't alone anymore. Even though he was alone, he was in a new spot. He wasn't. I remember I'd cook dinner for people and I would play that movie and I would stop at that. Thanksgiving, all these people at my house. I'm like, all right, is this your first Thanksgiving away from your family? Or if you, you know, what's your favorite experience? If it's not, obviously it's this one, but the second best, you know, what is it? And I'm in the kitchen and I said, you guys can play any movie you want now, I don't care. But we got to play this movie. We got to talk about this experience because it is that vulnerability of deciding, oh, I'm going to sit down with a microphone in my face and just share stories. Mm -hmm. And my thing was, for me, before I had this, it was always, we'll sit down, I'm cooking dinner, but the first time we hang out for a couple hours, we're not talking politics, we're sharing stories. And it's not a one-up, it's a a finding a a, a theme, right? It's finding a common bond, it's it's finding an experience, It's, it's finding an idea that goes, okay, well, now I know how, when, and why I want to reach out to this person. Because mm-hmm. if I don't do this, it's chaos for me. Yeah. And, and it's superficial. I mean, you talk about politics. Yeah. You know, families argue about politics all the time. It's like, well, families and all that. Because they know where they came from and, and minor differences can be magnified. But with, with, this, with, with someone 
and, and this is one of the reasons why home is here, even though I spent much longer in D.C. Um, you get to know people here. And yeah. then you find out their politics, and you might go, well, that's interesting. I wouldn't have expected them to think that. Or they might agree with you, or they might disagree. Um, different environment where you, we start with politics. You don't know the context of the person. You have no idea how they got to be where they are. You're just basing on assumptions. And it's easy to disagree because you just made up a whole story about them. Yeah. You know? It's, and, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. You know, same with I love talking about religion because I went to Bible college, pastoral ministries major. I've spoken in front of churches mm -hmm. and hundreds of people. I love talking about it because I want, I love people's misconceptions about it. Mm -hmm. And I want to see what they are. And I also, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. I'm going to grab myself another beer, but I'm yep. going to ask you this question. Judas. Yep. Is he... Now, first of all, unlike some of the worst people on planet Earth, Genghis Khan, Hitler, to name a few, mm -hmm. you can still find some people named Hitler and Genghis Khan. Right. You're not finding a kid named Judas. You can like, they're just the, well they're, Judah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's no Judas, like right. He no, burned, they definitely like they'll change it a little bit. They he burned that one to exactly. Crap, right? Yeah. The first guy that took a name and said, you know, it was like retiring a number. Exactly. <laughs> like no, no, we're not doing another one of those. It was a bad one. But I wonder, was he bad, or was he the most disciplined disciple? Because we know through the Council of Nicaea that the Bible was changed and altered in some capacity. We know that the King James Version, it was the Bible for dummies, where he went, hey, Pope, I've got a fun idea. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make everyone be able to read this. And he's like, it's not going to be as accurate. He's like, who cares? I care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. So I wonder in all of that. Quick aside there, why I love the Book of Mormon, even though I thought the first half I was being, you know, in, I, I was going to go to hell for being there. Yeah. yeah. But I, so you got to ask. Was Judas the best disciple or the worst? Because without him, we don't get him crucified. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. You want me to start while you're yeah. getting the beer? Yes, yeah. I'll tell you. So here's here's my thought on that one. A lot of, and maybe it's just me being a lawyer. Did he know that that was his fate, and that that would be the role he played? Number one, because if he didn't, then yeah, he deserves it. Number two is if he didn't, who would have? Because somebody had to. And maybe we'd be saying we'd be going to, to the Vatican and going to Saint Judas's and Saint Peter and Pope, you know, and Peter would be a name we don't use anymore because somebody had to do it. Someone had to. I mean, I I look at the way that they've treated women in the Bible. I look at the way that we've misinterpreted. I, I after going through mm -hmm. pastoral ministry school, I'll say this from my experience: I do not believe you should be able to be a pastor if you don't have a minimum of a master's in history. Because if you don't understand the culture significance, the cultural significance of, of the choices that were made, Jesus sitting with, with, with kids and women. They're like, that, you know, that's a cute painting. That's a mm -hmm. Norman Rockwell cute painting. But culturally at that time, the way you saw kids before they could work, right? They're bane on your existence. And women were property. And he was sharing food and time with them. That's, a, that, that, that's not a normal thing. But Norman Rockwell, 1950s Christianity goes, that's so sweet. You know, that's just lovely. And it's not. It's, it's rock star wild stuff. And it's interesting where when you don't understand culture and ideas, then you don't understand the impact 
of actually what the person did. And in fact, you, uh, quite honestly, many times you diminish that impact or you remove that impact altogether because you're putting your cultural bias on it. I mean, if he hits you with your left hand, turn your cheek, making him with your right. Okay, turn the cheek. What's the left hand do? It wipes the butt. So is it being polite or is it showing respect that if you're going to damage a hand, make them damage the hand the one they eat with? Yeah. But if you don't look at all the perspectives of it, then you don't have an honest conversation about yeah. the people of the time. And it's always interesting to, to just yeah. think about it and exactly. think about these things in this creative way. Um, you know, I, I always find it, uh, and I'm Catholic, I'm, I'm, I'm a comfortable and happy Catholic. I've been Catholic my whole life, and I think it's great. Um, and, and, and the church going when I can, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I'm also part of a group of guys that, um, you know, are, we're an incredible mix of, of Christians, of believers, and a couple of Catholic buddies are in there. We kind of like, and everybody pokes fun <laughs> at us because we're, we're, we're the Catholics from the Northeast. Um, so, you know, Which, just, by just the way, your book, the, uh, the Catholic Bible, is, has, uh, I believe, 20 more books than the, uh, than the Holy Bible does, than the King James Version. It could. I don't yes. know. <laughs> the the thing with one of, so Catholics are lazy in a way so like we know one of the things I've, I've learned is Catholics we, we never know where to cite anything like, <laughs> I recently learned like okay Romans five specifically three through five is like you know I'm now like I'm making the effort like okay I'm remembering this now but you have to remember the the hierarchy of your system though is is the church people that know the mm -hmm. book go and recruit and bring people in. You don't have a big conglomerate. Your, your congregation's not big on recruitment as much as the level above it. Yeah, we figured we know people know about us by now. Exactly. Like you've right. heard of us. Yeah. You've heard of the Catholic Church. Versus right? Christianity, where they're just rolling out scriptures they don't understand the meaning of. Right now, this is like you know this is this has been around for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, evangelicals are like, have you heard? Yeah, exactly. By the way, we're not a denomination. We serve a, a triple monk, which right. is yeah. amazing. <laughs> pro, pro Protestant protesting that was against us. Yes. You know, um, uh, so yeah, but but no, but the, the reason is like because we, as a group, read the Bible every three years, basically. You know, this is a cycle, yeah. and so you you know yeah yeah it's our reading from Luke fifteen. We're like I don't care. It's read just the thing of the week. So we all know what's in it, and, and I've I've only come to appreciate. I'm supposed to be elector at the church. I just haven't <laughs> picked up any <laughs> slots yet. Yet, um, but but. So, but I have given some thought to this. Um, but it's interesting because it's sort of like over a lifetime, you have had the Bible read to you episodically without structure. Yes. And so there's no unfamiliar parts of it. You just don't know exactly who said what or when, which isn't bad from the aspect of it of, uh, you know, and, and again, the, the thing that... The only thing I think of, the, or one of the only things in the Bible to me that is literal and really matters is the part where it says, all of this is an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems that gets reversed a lot. You're like, well, you know, if this one, this little minor detail were different, hey, remember the analogy because you're so hard to teach part? Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Please, pump Be good brains. to each other. Love each other. Love your the rest works out. You know, it's like people go, you, Jay, you can't have listening manners, manners, manners as rules for your house. I was like, you got you to 
You gotta be both. What about not stealing? That's manners. And listening. <laughs> that's both. By yeah. the way, that covers both. I don't know about the listening part. Uh, maybe well, that's secondary, saying, but it's, like, no, hey, it's the, definitely you know, rude. It's you know, it's one of those things where I just I look at it and go, I'm not here to build fences. Right. And that's one right. of the things that religion does really well. I don't care what religion you're in, y'all you build fences. Like, yeah. I'm gonna this, go with this and that's what the people people do really well do and they'll really use well. religion as a context. Right, because it's like this is the thing we can't do. So if I build a fence around that, and I'm like, but if you don't do that, then we don't do this. Right. You know? You can, alcohol, you can go buy at a store. Marijuana is a gateway drug. I'm sorry. What? Hold on. This one, you know, because you, you chose, and then you built a fence. Mm-hmm. You built another fence, and then you built another fence. Right. And it's like, but if I keep them way out here, then they never get to the thing that's really bad. But, yeah. Yeah, but if you just don't do the really bad thing, life's super simple. Yeah. You know? I mean, just be honest. And it's like, Mm, that's really what's, tough. What's, what's the thing over Luck Ranch, the, the, the signs from, from uh, Willie Nelson's sister? Don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, that covers seven of the Ten Commandments right there. Right <laughs> you know? There. Right like, there. It could have been like, you know, be respectful to God and don't be an asshole. Two commandments, that's it. Done. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, you've got the bases covered. Like, don't cover your wife. That's called not being an asshole. Right, right? exactly. Don't cover your wife. Come on. What's right. wrong with you? And, and then you get into these people who are like hyper-literates. Don't cover my neighbor's wife. Well, what if she lives two blocks away? Is that okay? Yeah. You know? You know, so I remember this one friend, super, super religious, and was going to get married, and you know, the boyfriend moved in and goes, well, you have to understand, the Bible really means uncommitted. And I was like, hey, man, you peel that onion any way you want to, champ. You're talking yeah. to the wrong person. I don't care. Because I don't, because as far as I'm concerned, all the iterations and everything, if you're going to start taking shit literally, you're wrong. Now, if you're going to, like what you said, if you're going to take it and say, as an analogy on life, as an idea of how to treat people, as a concept of when to be stern and when to be giving, when to show love, when to know that tests bring testimonies, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Job is the perfect example of test spring testimony. Right. Do I want you to go through that? No, I don't. But it should tell you, hey, a little hiccup in life doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I got in so much trouble. I love telling this story because it's, my ex's family is very religious and my family is very religious as well. Mm-hmm. But we were sitting down and my style of humor is not their style of humor. And I said, I've got a really funny joke. Do you know about flexibility in the Bible? And they're like, that's really not brought up in the Bible. We've read it a lot. I'm like, no, it's in Deuteronomy. It's amazing. I mean, you know who the most flexible man in the Bible is? They're like, that's really not a thing. So it is. Jonas, he tied his ass to a tree and he walked three miles. Yeah, yeah, I did not I'm see that coming. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it. See? I'm, yeah, at your, yeah. I'm at your Thanksgiving table. I'm getting a laugh. <laughs> Everyone just stood up and walked out of the room. They didn't even, they're like, nope, nope, nope. They're like, you're not making it. Because they're like, oh, he's making a joke in the Bible. And they don't know. I mean, they cut, but they don't. And, you know, I just kind of like, you guys, first of all, let's pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. 
totally analogous. So, so uh, uh, just a string, like, uh, what maybe what seems apparent random, but they're not. So, yeah. back in the day, doing archaeology. And that thing about that I mentioned about, you know, people a couple thousand years ago had the same brains we have right yeah. now. Right now, different information. And the reason, when that clicked for me, not that I discovered it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking apart this rock wall uh, in, 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 out there, like picking up, you know, pieces of stone and to see what's underneath, you know. And I pick up a piece of stone and there is a coin there. And it's Septimius Severus, who was emperor around 200 AD, so that means the wall is, you know, and, and what, I, what I was taught to do, the, the cool archaeologist thing to do, and this is right after Raiders of the Lost Ark is out, so that's our thing. So you, when you find a coin, you take it, you stick it in your mouth, you, you rinse it off with your spit, you spit out the dirt, you look at it, and then you see who, who it was. So I'm, I'm all excited, I found a coin. I took my mouth, spit it out, and this is going to be so that. And I stopped, and in my head I went, at this point, roughly 1,800 years ago, somebody said, somebody's gonna, somebody was putting together this wall and thought, somebody's going to take apart this wall. And I'm going to put this coin there. And I'm that guy. And it was instant link to 1,800 years before, and it clicked, and whatever, from my, in my head, I went, all that stuff really happened. Yeah. History happened. Yeah. The thing and then the next thing that went with it, or in, in, or in my head, or the connecting thought is, years later, but it connect. I have never been involved with something that got reported in the news that was reported accurately. Well, that's and interesting. And I mean, ask you, have you ever had firsthand knowledge of something in the news well, and so known caveat, of it being done accurately? Caveat, as a profession, I manipulate the news, so... Even better. My fault. Uh, I can say two things. One, I have ensured that stories that were very accurate and very true have not been in the news. Mm -hmm. I have put stories out in the news that have then created truths that at the time weren't true. But knowing that when they were out there, they would become true because the news... And, uh, I mean, my death threats made the front page of the New York Times. So, yeah. Oh, there's a story. Yeah. <laughs> I created, uh, with another gentleman, the first mobile-to-mobile -mobile caller ID spoofing. You didn't need a card. You didn't need anything. I could go from my cell phone and call your cell phone and have anyone's phone mm -hmm. number pop up on your phone. Mm -hmm. And we ended up a uh, offshoot of um, one of the three-letter branches of the government asked to borrow it and see if it worked. Worked very well. The Patriot Act thing happened. Was it at Rascals? And it was ready against the FCC's rules anyway. Yeah. Well, no. Well, so the big argument with privacy people was: is caller ID an invasion of privacy, or is what I'm doing an invasion of privacy? Like, it was a debate at Harvard. And oh, spoofing, spoofing caller ID is 25 years as a telecom lawyer. Yes. I so, lie about caller ID. So Star, Star 38, yeah. that was the company. Yep. Uh, and I created it. Uh, government branch borrowed it, mm -hmm. got it, um, swooped it under because it was the only one that didn't need a computer. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally from my phone, this one had a sidekick. This is how long ago this was. A sidekick could do mm -hmm. this without an internet connection. So I wasn't using VoIP. Right. 
But I told everyone how to do it. And then criminals, I didn't realize they use it to steal a lot of shit. Oh, you know, criminals are bad. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't find it funny that caller ID no longer was going to be trusted. And those are a lot of death threats, a lot of angry people, a lot of criminals. Some people who are just people because I went on CNBC and did it live on the air, mm-hmm. which was hilarious. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's just, it was interesting. Yeah. You know? So um, that was SSA. First off, so Bible thing, what I was going to cabin yeah, with yeah, that, yeah. like, so the thing for me is like, uh, I've never read a news story that I had firsthand knowledge yeah. of, and it happened yesterday, and it's accurate. Um, let's take, you know, what somebody take wrote down at 535. Let's stick with the point and not the words and not try to lawyer ourselves around that stuff. Exactly. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. We can use small words for this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that was, but now I'm going to ask you like, so wait, when you were doing, so mobile to mobile, uh, that wasn't SS7. No. It was was SIT-based call forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which we then in turn rebuilt talked to the Department of Commerce. The DOC sent us down to Brazil. What year is this? This would have been 2000, let me see, 2005 maybe? It was, okay. 2003, 2005, Because like in 04, I left DC in 04 at that point. I went back to DC, but I left DC in 04. So they sent us down to Brazil because Cisco had their VoIP to VoIP single line, caller lines, where you mm-hmm. pick up the phone, it's like, just goes to that person. Yep. And we opened up a server center because the platform was so popular in Houston. And we used that. And we, we were able to do our call, our SIP-based call forwarding, mobile to mobile in Brazil without mobile charges through, through the internet lines. <laughs> do you know what I went through? Oh, my God. Do you know what I went through with that? We were getting big for... And, uh, I we, won't say who, so, but we, it was a million bucks a month for a while. So Cisco, it took him 20 seconds to complete the call. VoIP to VoIP line, picking up the line, going through the VoIP line from, from uh, Rio to Bahara. It was, like, it, was like, it was like two minutes to complete the call. And we did it in seven-tenths of a second at Cisco's facility. Oh, okay, okay. And I thought you were going to a whole different place oh, with no. this. I'm like, no, no, no. So, Please don't tell me that's by bypass or anything like that. And then uh, Cisco kicked God, us we've, out of God, we've gotten really into FCC regulations yes, here. Yes, and way we, into it. <laughs> we got kicked out of Cisco's offices because we embarrassed them. And the, uh, we went into Rio and we spoke to Fortune 500 companies. Um, I had a great time. I spent three weeks on in Brazil just educating people on SIP-based uh, call forwarding through servers that bypassed cellular billing plans in expensive areas of the world. Not No, we're not US. talking we are not talking about international settlements. <laughs> we are absolutely well, there are no there's no international know, settlements going on here. Do you know who almost bought us? Sprint. Because they saw the numbers and then the guy, I remember I was, I was they talking. They were very aggressive back then. I was talking to Sprint, and he goes, everything's cool except for this. Why would I pay you to not have my people get charged premium rates to call internationally? And I looked at him, and I said, you just have to do the math. How many more people are you going to grab? They're going to make phone calls. 
versus how many international phone calls do you do and where do you want to grow? They would have gotten dinged on settlements. It, oh, would, it would sure. not have worked out oh. because settlements is based on, uh, on equipose that everybody's calling in versus calling out. Yep. Yeah, you can make some vig on, on like, you know, calling Vanuatu or something like that and companies that do that. A lot of calls going from, you know, to Indian tribe, uh, tribal areas. Sure. Um, and that's, that's big money and, and uh, a lot. And there's, there's a lot of toll fraud that goes on. Um, but a company like Sprint, especially at that time, they're more, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I, I doubt they could, they could spend, they could buy the company for, that they could make enough money for long enough to make it worth it. Like, it might get a little bit of a shot, yeah. but the next year in the settlements, people are going to see the di discrepancies and reset the tariff rate. That's true. The only of the other big companies that we looked at was the largest um, prison telecom system. Oh, I know them. <laughs> well. Well, because their profit margins would have just, but then they started getting regulated on profit margins. <laughs> He's telling me all no, the yeah. secrets. No, so they were going to get regulated on profit margins because what people were seeing. Oh, my God. They're, and the they're, guy was just they're, like, they're, do you know if we incorporate this, our margins go from 30% per call to like 300% per call. And it ain't going to help the prisoners. It ain't going to help their families. No, it's no, not. That is just, that is a dirty business. It's a dark business. Yes. And when we, so my buddy did the intro. Sorry to my friends in DC. When he did the intro, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. And then we saw that. And we pulled, we pulled out of the deal. We pulled yeah. out of the deal. I mean, I was, I mean, I was sharing a two bedroom apartment in Costa Mesa, California. I was making 1500 bucks a month, barely living. And we pulled back on that out of morality. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, they're, they're yes. psychos. No, no. <laughs> no. 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 Not, not happening. Not happening. No. But you know, uh, these yeah. are, but you know, this is the funny thing, right? It's like, and I'll go back to, you know, what I was talking just a minute ago. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, if we're at a birthday party mm -hmm. or we're down at the pool with everybody, we don't get to have this conversation. And this is why I like this, because I, I knew I liked you as a person. I'm like, man, Thank this you. is just a nice Good guy. Job. And it was, it was just like, even though the birthday party you and Allison shared, you know, it was nice. I got to be there. Thank you for bringing me those beers. The, the, the dog beer, I mean, say, it's the best. It's old brown the, dog. Old brown dog is just Wow. Smutty nose from Hampton, New Hampshire. I mean, so good. And, you know, we're... Made with tap we got, water. We got we to gotta spend a little time. But still, once yeah. again, there's just a lot of people around. And I will dominate a person conversation thing and, and just forget that they're entertaining other guests. And, you know, Philip's there. And I'm like, I'm being the best behavior. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to meet new people. And, but then I'm still like, man, I got to figure out. I'm going to hang out with Vincent yeah, a little I bit I appreciate more. that. And, and Allison and I are both, we're both cancers. So we like, if we have a party, we're the waiters. No, that was the wildest thing too. <laughs> it's like, I walk in, like, we're preparing this, we got this. I'm like, can I help? She's like, can you, I'm like, can I do some more than just move from, you know, two feet? Like, what do I got to do? She's like, no, no, we're good. And it's the same thing, you know, because Allison's my neighbor, your girlfriend, and it's awesome. Like, the, our kids hang out and play together, and I'll bring over, and like, she's like, Let's just do it at my place. And I'm like, 100%. I don't understand because the kids do crafts there. 
bring over a bottle of wine. I'm drinking a bottle of wine, watching these kids do crafts, and she's in the mix, and there's just, I mean, it looks like a glitter explosion happened. And I'm like, how do we help you clean up? She goes, this is my joy to just see kids having fun. I'm like, I get it, but there's still going to be a cleanup. Is that your joy? She's like, you don't get it. Like, this is my thing. Like, I love all my, I have so much anxiety right now. Just watching this mess. <laughs> she had a great, we had, a, we had an interesting conversation. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. But, and she, it was like an admission for her, but I think it was like a real moment of truth, which is that her greatest joy in life is being distracted by people she loves, people and things she loves. That's awesome. God bless her. Yeah. That's, I mean, Isn't that a cool thing? That's a cool thing. She is, she's a very kind human being. I, spending a couple hours with you now, I, I get to see, you, you know the connections there. You want to figure out the connection. At least I do all the time. Like I always want to figure out the connection. Mm-hmm. And now I see it. Now I really see it because there's an innate nature in both of you. And it's not the simple act of, of, of selflessness. It's not the simple act of kindness. It's the idea and it's the living through it and the modeling of saying it's going to be okay actually tomorrow is going to be better and let's not lose this moment and you guys embody that thank you you really do wonderful you both really do you really both embody that and when if you're calm enough and present enough to be around the two of you are just one-on-one you see it and the way i see it most is the way your sons shake my hand. Thank you. I really do. And I see it the most in her with when she's got a couple of girls around her. That woman gets a couple of girls around her. Uh, I mean, she's in heaven. All, first of all, and, and I don't mean this in a sexist way at all, she throws a football like a man. Oh my God. She with the ball? Yeah. Oh, that was, that was but, a real moment of discovery for me when I first started to play catch with her. But... But you get a couple girls around. Right, granted, her dad was a receiver in the NFL. I know. He played but, the Super Bowl. But you get a couple of girls around her, and you wouldn't know that she ever got her feet dirty. Yeah. She turns a princess party into a princess party. Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean... My kitchen still has sparkles in the tile. You do. I'm, yeah. For real. Yeah, just from her coming over and playing with my daughter. So, do you know what her sport was growing up? Do you? Um, all, all of them, I'm assuming. No, I have no idea. BMX. She and her brother were bike racers, dirt bike racers. She, and she's got, apparently, tro- I've heard about well, so this. I haven't been. seen them. So, yeah, so she's like, she and her brother would be out there because her father got into bicycling and he, would, he bought a couple of these. He was telling me a while back that, you know, he got the kids, her older brother and her these bikes and they would race and now granted there were a lot of guys out there so her brother would be just killing himself trying to like do his best and win and all that he did okay and there were fewer girls so I'm not disparaging her by any means it was just a smaller thing and she would go out but she's very naturally athletic and so she never looked like she was really trying to work that hard but she beat the girls she'd really bust her ass but she has exactly that sort of like that princess kind of like yeah. It looks like she's like Tinkerbell going through this stuff. 
She's actually busting her ass. I mean, she can, she's hilarious. a tremendously natural athlete. One of the first times we were all, Philip, myself, Mark, all the kids, Allison, down yeah. the pool. And somebody was throwing a football around and hit by our feet. And there was like a guy like 10 feet in front who had missed the ball. Mm-hmm. Got to her somehow up on the you know pool area. And there was a guy at the end of the pool. And the guy was like, hey, you give me the ball. You know, he's just like, no, I'm right here. And she just, shunk, like on a rope. Yep. On a rope. Oh, she's got an arm like Tom Brady. I mean, just zit on a rope. It just went to the guy that took right to his hand. And Mark, who played college football, won a championship. Just his eyes were the size of saucers. And he just goes, dude, that's, that's, a, that's a real arm. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like that person can throw. Yeah. Like, that's a real arm. That's a real arm. So we were in the pool. First time I ever played catch with her. We're in the pool. And she's got the ball, and she's like, go back a little bit. So I go like halfway over to the lower pool. Really long pools at this place. Yeah. And like weirdly long. So I go like halfway. I'm like, yeah, I'll go a little bit longer. And I guess she knew what she was doing. She just takes the thing, blows it right past, like rifles it past my head, and just right at the end of the pool. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's where she wants me to be, clearly. Yeah. So, and I'm like, Like, I had to go the far, so it's the flip, we're playing the Full, what is that like? Twenty five like, yards more? It's it's it's. More I'd than say twenty five yards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's seventy five feet? So that's yeah. it's probably twenty five yards. So I'm like, oh, okay. And it's not a little Nerf ball. And I'm like, I just I got now my shoulder's better now, but at the time my left arm's hurting, and I'm like, I gotta like I gotta work to throw the ball back to her. Yeah, in the water. In the water. Yeah. No, the. I always call her the kid. I'm like, the kid's good, man. I I always... I enjoy the fact that she celebrates kids, the kids as much as she does. Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a hard-ass. I celebrate my daughter, but kind of a hard-ass. And she knows it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you a little softer side of series here, right? I'm gonna, yeah. And also just a person that is... It's rare to find genuine people. You know, yeah. she's one of those people. She's like, she likes you, she likes you. She's going to tell you, you know, here we go. And she's just a genuine, nice person, yeah. right? Which is, as a city gets bigger, I don't care what state you're in, it's hard to find genuine. Mm-hmm. It just is, you know? And once again, but I see that in you too. Like, I, you yeah, know, sweet. the first Thank time you. I met you, I really did. I was like, oh, that's a genuine guy. I mean, I don't know anything about him. I got to figure it out, but you can just tell. I mean, if you ever do, let me know because I have no idea what the hell I've been. Listen, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I tortured my daughter. We were driving back from Montana and I said, if you're going to listen to this song, I, was, I want you to listen to the whole thing. And it was that Baz Luhrmann, Low Sunscreen. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I want to tell you. And it just goes on. She's like, he's not even singing. I'm like, God, you just stop and just listen. Just listen to this because... It's not about the song. It's about these little quirks of oddly direct wisdom mm-hmm. that are so obvious yet not always said. And you know, we get done, and she's like, "That's the dumbest song I've ever heard." And I said, "I expect that from a young girl. I do because it should be dumb to you." Yeah. <laughs> that song now that I'm a hair turn away from fifty. Makes me cry almost every time. Oh, I you're hear a it. kid. I'm a baby. You're a baby. 
but it almost makes me cry every time because I'm just like, oh man, how do I tell my daughter these things? But you and can't. They, that's they, telling them the that, end of the that, movie. That's, that's the wrap up. Is this? Is that you and Allison and Philip and Mark? in an indirect way and sometimes in a direct way teach me dude you can't but you can do these things you can do this let's have this experience let's do this let's you know it's it's not the direct point that you want Jay mm -hmm. but it's the indirect yeah I'm going to correct I'm going to call you on something you said you can't that's Bad true. word. But there's a yeah. difference between can't and cannot. That's true. And can't means unable. Yeah. You could tell her. I could. Why spoil the surprise? Why spoil the, the whole point? The thing that makes gold, grinning older interesting is all the crap you learn and going, hey, oh, if I was smarter then, oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, think of what life would be like if you spent your entire life going, nah, I really pretty much had it down when I was seven years old. Yeah, but yeah, no, told everything. Really, yeah, maybe nine, you know, but after nine, like nothing new. That would suck. That would. That would. I love that. Uh, final question for you here. You know, there's such a deep dive in the movie. Uh, one, so I'll break it up into two parts. One is you get one last meal with mom and dad, you gotta take them anyway for dinner. Mm hmm. Not Thanksgiving, or told me Thanksgiving. You gotta, you gotta take them somewhere. Where are you gonna take them out to dinner? And then, two, for your kids, what are, what's the thing that you wanna ensure, what's, I guess, the idea or the premise or when they're sharing stories about you, what's the image, what's the fingerprint you want on them that? Passes down, into, mm. passes down generationally. Ah, wow. Uh, first one, where do I take my parents? Um, there's two places. One was a point in time in the past. Okay. I, I, I used to own part of an Italian restaurant in New Jersey that was the branch of a, a different place. Strip mall, strip mall Italian, you know, mm -hmm. countertop, pizza, the whole nine yards. Um, and I remember taking my parents there when I was thinking about investing in the second location to see if they liked the food. And my parents loved the food. Wow. So that was really cool. That was, that was nice. Like, yeah, that was a very special thing. And then actually, you know, I was with the place for like five years. So, okay. um, and we sold it for money. And if you can start a restaurant from in a pole in a wall in the strip mall, and even though you lose money, if you sold it for money, you didn't fail. Exactly. Somebody bought it. Um, so that would be, the, but there's another place, and it's a little bit strange sounding, but so I told you, you know, most, my, my older relatives were all buried in Gates of Heaven Cemetery in Valhalla, New York. Yeah. And there's a, a restaurant, I'm trying to remember, the Casa Rienza or something like that. After the funerals, we would always go there. And that's where we have these big family dinners, this Italian restaurant, we get the front table, and they open it up, and, you know, the funeral's over, Everybody lived into the ladies. So we've never had a bad funeral in the family. It's been like, ah, finally, they're done. Casarina, that's the name of the place. Love to go to Casarina. Now, luckily, my parents are very convenient to that place. It's <laughs> the closest restaurant to them right now. 
but they would love they loved the food. It was like you know, that's 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 you know easy. It's I like it. Go to Casarina. What's the finger? Oh point? my what's god! The, what's the thing that when you're the way and the reverence and the love that you talk about your parents, grandkids, your kids. What's the, not the memory, what's the idea, what's the hook, right? Like, I say this to a lot of people, like, in the darkest moment, in the, in the darkness, right? You're all yeah. by yourself, you're sitting there, nothing's there. It's not the attributes, it's the hook, it's the center of you that people know they can grab onto. It's what makes you you. You know, what? If, if they can think of me, my father, and my grandfather, my father's father, and see a connection. I got everything I want. If I can, if I can follow in their footsteps. Wow. That's awesome. That's beautiful. They're um, they were amazing men. That's beautiful. That really is. I uh, I'll close with this. You know, obviously we spent a little bit of time yeah. together, but um, you know. You run out of beer, you go to the store, you buy some more. Buy one of those pesky avocados. You're ready for taco night. And it's like, sorry, I expired on Monday. If you can go buy some more. Time's the one thing we don't get back. Mm -hmm. It's the one thing that we don't. And uh, no matter how hard we try, it's the truest investment. Because it doesn't, it never reaps initial rewards but it always lets you know instantly when you failed in the time that you've wasted. Yeah. And uh, for you to spend a couple hours with me chatting and sharing more and learning about you and, and just being able to laugh and have fun and talk about things in the background of, of one of your favorite movies, uh, it, it means the world to me because you shared two hours you're not going to get back and, and I greatly appreciate that. It's been, it's been an honor. I, 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 I you know, it's so rare in life that one becomes the center of attention uh, without being embarrassed or taking attention away from somebody else. And, and so I'm, I'm deeply humbled uh, to be able to, to share my thoughts in a way that's permanent and, and to get to know you and to hear you. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's enriching. We only have so many hours in our life, and these were a couple hours of my life that I feel like I invested incredibly well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Folks, now it's your favorite time. It's the big time. It's the part before I get sued by my daughter where she sings about a time when she took a shit by herself. Enjoy.